I'm Dr. Francis Gross. I work as a pathologist. And over the past 20 years, I've compiled a library of the many faces of death. My travels have taken me all over the world, searching for the various situations that have dealt with our ultimate end. I've seen with my own eyes a myriad of experiences that have led me to a greater awareness of the living. We have developed a world that refuses to recognize our own destiny. You will be witness to what I have discovered. May you be the jury, but your verdict will be one of self-conviction. I know what I have witnessed. Now it is your turn. Prepare yourself for a journey into a world where each new step may give you a better understanding of your own reality. For I am sure you will gain a new perspective from the many faces of death. It's sad when a mother has to speak the words that condemn her own son. But I couldn't allow them to believe that I would commit murder. They'll put him away now, as I should have, years ago. He was always bad. And in the end, he intended to tell them I killed those girls and that man. As if I could do anything except just sit and stare. Like one of his stuffed birds. Oh, they know I can't even move a finger. And I won't. I'll just sit here and be quiet. Just in case they do suspect me. They're probably watching me. Well, let them. Let them see what kind of a person I am. I'm not even going to swat that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know. And they'll say, why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11 and this the month of October in the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 The Talker. This, my friends, is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into comedic amusement. It's uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us today, it is Wednesday. And welcome to Day 12. Uh, we are now well, Wednesday, so two days from Halloween, Friday, yes? Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Uh, so Halloween coming up the day after tomorrow. Let's see. All right, it, lots of stuff to get to today, so I will uh, I will move smoothly through this opening segment. It's 503-733-2970 if you'd like to join us today. 503-733-2970 with your comments, questions, clarifications, ruminations, musings, ponderings, warnings, uh, whatever it is you might have. Dropping up in that little, like, a 3x5 index card box in your brain. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, or the mundane. And by the way, I hadn't seen the picture of this girl. Let me back up for just one second. So yesterday, Richie came into the studio and was talking to us about something else that was disgusting. I mean, any number of things. And he had this scratch on his face. And so that I was sort of like trying to figure out where it came from. And it turns out there was some girl 
some some chick uh, that Richie was spending intimate time with, hugging each other in a special way. And I guess she scratched his face at one point. And by the way, the scratch looks worse today than it did yesterday, which leads me to believe that he's jabbing at it. So, Richie, let me just speak to you the words of our mothers and fathers before us. Don't pick at that thing. It'll get infected. No, and for God's sake, I hope he cleans that. Because I'm seeing the caliber of women to which he sleeps with, and <laughs> they just look filthy. Yes, they do, Who knows Sarah. stuck underneath that acrylic? You're really the best person ever. Um, Sarah really says what we cannot sometimes. You really are the human id uh, for this program. It's 503 7. It makes you want to grab a disinfected white. It really does. It. I want to wipe off the screen just having seen the picture of her. No offense. Anyway, it's 503 733 2970. So Richie came in today and he's. Yeah, he's, he's uh, so the, the cut or the scratch or whatever in his face looks worse. And I mean, I know we've all tried to block this out, but let's remember Richie's already had one pretty bad facial infection this year. So. Oh, I forgot yeah, about that. That was about, about a year ago. Remember when he had the big leaking face? Oh, Let's yeah. not. We don't want to revisit those. So I'm just saying, Richie, the facial hygiene is important. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, so then Sarah, uh, I hadn't actually seen a picture of the girl. So about 10 minutes ago, so Sarah finds her MySpace picture and brings up a picture of this girl that Richie was uh, spending conjugal time with. And, wow. I mean. It's just, like, like better than you could ever dream. Uh, that's the thing. It's like. And she, did you hear Tim's reaction when Tim's like, yeah, that's about right. Yeah, I mean, it's more or less <laughs> what we expected. I mean, she's not unattractive. But I would say is exactly like if you had asked me to create one of those things like they do in the in the, in the movies where you, like you're doing a composite picture of a suspect or something where the you know the cop is there with a the sketch pad and you're going to no, know the eyes are further apart no 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 but, you know the no 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 the uh, the nose is a little sharper no blonde that is exactly the composite sketch I would come up with of the type of woman that Richie would just be humping it out with randomly and the kind of Halloween costume that she'd be wearing totally Jesus apparently the naughty nurse costume wasn't available. All right. Uh, well, let's move forward. It's five. It's like our own little ongoing episode of Gossip Girl here all the time. It's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Uh, so Richard Bristol standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along observations about whatever might be on the brain today. CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will join us today from <clears throat> yesterday, Terre Haute, today, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, so she's on the CNN election, election election express, which I guess like a big boss or whatever. And I'm really envious. I'm really sort of, I'm really jealous and kind of, a, you know, I'm happy for her, but I'm just saying, I would also enjoy being on the CNN Election Express bus. It sounds like a one-way ticket to Funsville. So, I mean, not not so much Kansas City. Sort of a figurative Funsville. Anyway, so we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins today about that. We will uh, talk to CNN Radio correspondent James Roop as well. Pardon me, hold on. Good Lord Almighty. Uh, we'll talk to Jim Roop in uh, Los Angeles as we look forward to Election Ought 8, which is coming up uh, next Tuesday. And then Steve Kastenbaum, who's still marooned in Philadelphia. There's no leaving that town. It's become sort of it's become sort of a no-exit style thing, but with but with baseballs. So I guess, so there was, there was rain that delayed Game 3. And the whole thing started, I think, later than any World Series has ever started. Then Game 5 got suspended in the sixth inning. And now they're hoping it'll end tonight, but I think tonight it's going to be delayed by the Obama thing. So it really has become some awful Sisyphean task. They're trying to just get a freaking baseball game played. So it's got to be 8 o'clock tonight, our time, on every network except for ABC. That's right. So I'm unclear about why CBS isn't going to be airing the Obama thing, although I know he also took it to 
CNN, and CNN said no, because I get to try to... Even... It is scheduled to run on uh, the CBS affiliate here. It's going to be running on the CBS affiliate. It's going to be running on NBC. It's going to be running on uh, Univision, I believe. Not Telemundo, but Univision. And then something else. Some other... It's Obama's own, like, V for Vendetta speech. No, seriously. It is, yeah, it's going to be everywhere. I mean, it's going to be everywhere on all channels uh, from 8 to 8.30 in the night. And I guess part of it... Like I'm talking about spoilers, as though it's the season finale to you know the, 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 the Sopranos or something. But I guess Bill Clinton's going to do some sort of a live walk-on or something, or he's going to throw it live to some remote location where Bill Clinton's hanging out. So uh, anyway, so we'll talk more about that. Steve Kasim, I'm Jim Roop, Lisa Desjardins. Uh, we'll do uh, <coughs> today. We'll do the uh, top five rock songs from a uh, horror film. Today, which is actually seven. It's five songs and two honorable mentions. One of which is an entire soundtrack. So it's going to be a little bit... We're biting off a lot, but we're going to get that done today. Hopefully in the 1 o'clock hour. Today, top five rock songs from a horror soundtrack. Uh, we'll talk about the ten most disappointing Halloween treats. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com joining us today to talk about all that's new in the world of boobs. And I'm going to mention that thing to him where Scarlett Johansson said she was going to pose nude if Obama wins. And I do recall her saying something about like six, seven, eight, nine weeks ago. She made some statement about if Obama wins, I'll totally take it off for like the good of... I don't know, people and humanity and children or whatever. So we'll uh, mention that to him. we got a taser watch coming up today, clown watch coming up today. And I saw, like, the trashiest, hottest girl last night on television. And I'll reveal who she is. In just... She's not trashy in the same way that Richie's new gal pal is trashy. No offense. Um, She's not, like, slutty trashy? She is, but it's in sort of a different way. That Richie... Well, I don't wish to sound as though we're casting aspersions. I mean, she is a fetching young lass. Who, Richie's, I, Richie's new girl. Yeah, no, she's she's very cute. She's attractive, but just in sort of a. She's kind of vacant, though. I would say that uh, I, she's attractive in sort of um, I, I don't know, like she like in high school, you like she like first of all, you know exactly what she looked like in high school. Second of all, she probably dated a guy who worked at the Foot Locker at the mall. Oh, totally, like an abusive jock ass. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Which is which, Richie, by the what way, is not. She... We're not trying to indicate anything about Richie. I'm just saying she obviously. I think she is. She comes from that sort of social strata. No, and Richie, you know, I'm. God bless Richie. He's getting what he wants right now. He wants. He wants some vacant blonde bimbo to have sex with him. <laughs> like good for Richie. Why not? I can see this girl band standing around singing, and I want to be Richie's girl. <laughs> um, and you know that in high school, she had a lot of friends who worked at Hot Dog and a Stick. Uh-huh. And then they all went out together and found guys to buy them wine coolers. I'll see in Bremerton, she would have worked at Orange Julius. Really? Is that where all the hot uh, chicks hung out? No, I'm, that's where all... Oh, I, I, I was thinking of a different type. Never mind. What, are you, what type are you no, thinking it's like, of? Like, like skinky fast food girls. <laughs> skinky fast food girls. That's going to be our new calendar. That's going to be the calendar we put out next year. AM 970 presents skanky fast food girls. One for every month. Moving on. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with my mouth today. <laughs> it's okay. It makes for fantastic entertainment, Sarah. So don't you worry about reining yourself in. Uh, anyway, so I, but she's not flat out hot. But I, but there was a woman on television last night who I have to say was more attractive than I expected her to be, and in a, in a really just sort of grubby, trashy way. So and she it was on CNN too. And I'll tell you who she is in just a few minutes. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification on this Wednesday. Okay, this list is vast and endless. So far, 19% fewer ballots than at this point in the 2004 election have been returned in Oregon. Traditionally, red counties are especially slow in returns. Multnomah County returns are down 8%. The owner of the killer TriMet bus dog that turned out to be not a service animal apologizes. 
Tito the Builder attacks mainstream media. They must be shaking in their boots. The CW confirms a Melrose Place sequel is in the works. What what channel is that, Tim? The CW. The CW is the home of a lot of fine programming. It is, especially uh, public service programming. Sunday mornings at 6.30. You said that. I didn't say that. Well, it's one of my favorite programs. Thank you, Tim. Uh, a Utah man uh, tried to attack his stepson with a weed whacker after a chainsaw failed to start. I'm uh, sorry. I shouldn't have laughed at that. I apologize. Was anybody killed? No. Okay. A Florida teenager who duped his senile grandmother into making a rap gangsta video will do time. A man is charged with attacking his neighbor with centipedes. A Massachusetts politician is caught on video accepting bribes stuffed in her bra. Fantastic. I love this country. All right. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillman. Hello. How are you? Hello. I think there's something in the air today. Cool. I was fine, and then I came in here, and I'm hacking and coughing. Yeah, I think it's in here. A little uh, dust. Maybe I should bring Roomba back in this weekend. You should. What thing. was his name? Uh, just Roomba. Oh, that's just... I thought that... I don't know about it. No, I thought about it. Okay. So I watched some more episodes of Mad Men last night. How great is that show? It is quite great. Yeah. I tried to get through four, but I fell asleep halfway through the fourth That's right. I think the seasons are only 13 episodes long. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, you know... It, I'm almost halfway there. Yes, yeah, so you're almost halfway done with... Fr- and then season two will be out soon because it's just wrapped up. They're going to shove that on a DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's pretty great. It is... Uh, it does... At least for me, I watch this, and as much as I love Mad Men, you all, in, in my head, I get this undercurrent of... This undercurrent of just realization that I can never be that cool looking. It doesn't matter what I do. I can never look that cool. Ever, ever, ever. It's just not in the cards oh, for me. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. So. He's, yeah, he... John Hamm is like the most beautiful thing ever, but we've already talked about this. Do we need to have our geek out John Hamm? I'm just saying, uh, you know, you're not. It, it, no one is going to disagree with you if you continue to gush about how great in he anything, is. In anything, in anything that he wears and anything that he does. Even when he's not dressed as Don Draper, even when you see him dressed in just something else, mm-hmm. like he's just in, in his street casual, clothes. Even when he has his shirt off. Where did you see him with his shirt off? It was when he was getting um, redressed from sleeping with his mistress. I think. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is that the uh, the beatnik? Yeah. Yeah, I dig her. I, I like her a lot. That, that that little story arc of him and the girl in the East Village. I mm-hmm. think there's. And by the way, you are coming up on. It's not a spoiler, but you're coming up on one of the best moments. I don't know. I think it's like maybe episode six or seven in the first season of Batman. I'm not, again, I'm not really revealing anything, but at one point, he and that beatnik girl go to some some sort of club in the East Village to go see, like, it's like some performance art where there's, like, you know, a guy playing a washboard and, like, some other guy reading, like, some woman reading some angry lesbian poetry or whatever. And you know, So they go to, like, this real hippie club to see some performances, and there's some of the greatest dialogue in that scene. So... I almost don't want to give it away because it's don't a beautiful... Don't give it away, don't give it away. I'm so close. I, won't I don't give know it. how you sleep at night. That's it. And I won't And I won't give the follow-up to it. Okay. But that's it. Uh, at one point, this is all I'm going to say, is a hippie finds out what Don Draper does for a living. He's an ad man. Perfectly respectable profession, I might add. Yeah. And the hippie says, Sir, you do advertising, Mr. Madison Avenue, great flannel suit man. How do you sleep at night? And so be watching for that scene. When the hippie asks Don Draper... How do you sleep at night? Don Draper's response is the coolest thing that's ever been uttered by anybody ever. I think I've, I've heard you say this before. Well, on a bed made out of bed made out of money. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So you and the way money. he sells it, and I think, and I think he sells it by inhaling, and then answering on the exhale of the cigarette, because cigarettes are really good for a lot of things. One, cancer. Two, making everything you own stink. Uh, three, I think impotence, and then four. Using, you know, the punctuating sentences, and Don Draper does a thing where the hippie goes, how do you sleep at night? And Draper does the inhale on a bed made out of money. And it's just, you're watching, going, oh, you're so cool. 
Uh, I gotta be done. Um, and and I'm so excited for the Obama thing tonight. That's it. So here's, uh, you know, whatever you call me lame, call me a tool, call me whatever you want. I'm ordering a pizza and I'm sitting on the couch and watching Barack Obama tonight. And it's not just because it's Barack Obama. No matter who it was, I'll tell you right now. If Sarah Palin buys in a half an hour of ad time, I'll sit and watch that, too. What about Joe oh, the Plumber totally. and Tito the Builder? Did you see Joe the Plumber talking about foreign policy yesterday? Yes. I'm sorry. i got to rein myself in. It's not even 1130. Well, we have Tito the Builder today. I mean, seriously, for the love of Jehovah. Joe the Plumber. Not a figurative Joe the Plumber. The actual Joe the Plumber talking about... The plumber. For, and his name isn't Joe, and he's talking about foreign policy. I think they were asking him about the Israel question. And, I mean, it was just a little bit of it on CNN last night. And there's Joe the Plumber, who, I mean, just looks like just a, a douche of almost incalculable proportions. And there's Joe the Plumber behind the podium as though he's a guy with actual thoughts about things. He's going, well, I would say that the United States' response to crises in the Middle East, specifically uh, regarding Israel, should be one of rapprochement or whatever. And I'm watching this going, what in the name of God is happening to this country? So, not that I care, it's just it's just all very weird. Anyway, so yeah, Sarah Palin buys half an hour of TV time. Man, I'm all over that, too. I get a ring because it's... You know what I've now realized? We It's now like when you're in the last week of summer vacation. And you realize that school is about to start, man. And you get all that stuff you haven't done. I mean, you haven't, uh, you know, whatever. You haven't, uh, you haven't kissed the girl Fred Savage style in the Wonder Years. Uh, you know, you haven't... Uh, I don't know. It seems like there's a list of things you should be doing during your summer vacation. I don't know. You haven't, uh, I don't know. You and your friends haven't gone to see the dead body of Ray Brower. Whatever. But we're in the last week of summer vacation, and you, got, you wake up, and you're like, oh, my God, school starts next Monday. All right. I've got to start staying up late every night and drinking myself blind so I can maximize this vacation time and, you know, in the, the hours I have remaining. That's what it is for me. Because today is Wednesday. Next Tuesday's the election. We've got less than a week. So I gotta just, man, I gotta suck every single drop of enjoyment out of this election's marrow. And after that, as we get into November, everybody's rushing to finish things before Thanksgiving because we begin the holidays slacking and eating season. That's right. That's right. That's when you become. That's when you do the the great uh, the great gaining of the weight. Mm-hmm. You know. So you. So then, when January comes around, you could be a big fat bastard again. Anyway, so um, blah blah blah. So Obama tonight. So whatever, wherever you are. This is how we can have we can have unanimity as a people here. Tonight, if you are watching the Obama thing, know that I am sitting on my big fat American ass eating a pizza watching Barack Obama talk. I don't even really care what he's going to say. Just going to hold on. Wah, wah, wah. Change. Wah, 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 wah. George Bush. I think something wah, fabulous wah. with it. Like, it breaks into song. <laughs> yeah, or does some breakdancing or something. I think Cole Porter said it best when he said... Never mind. I was going to make a really... Here's what a weird era we live in now. I was actually now going to say a Cole Porter lyric that I don't think I can say on the air anymore. I think there is, in fact, a Cole Porter song that the FCC would not approve of me uh, repeating on the air. So there you go. That was a little uh, reference uh, derailed there by our federal government. I was about to uh, do. I was about to be Barack Obama singing a Cole Porter song, which would have been interesting, but I'm not going to do it. So, but maybe he'll, you know, maybe he'll do a little putting on the Ritz or something tonight, or just. Uh, I don't know. He could, uh, you know what he should do? He should bring on a special guest who's not a politician. He should say, and as I get ready to wrap this up and we head toward a momentous day in our country, I'd like to bring on a man who can really make this point. Ladies and gentlemen, Ron Polio Television's Horse Shack from Welcome Back, Cotter. And then Ron Polio comes on and says, oh, oh, vote. I gotta have either more or less coffee today. I can't quite figure it out. 
Oh, by the way, uh, just as we sort of plunge on into the break, let me read these two emails. Uh, then uh, I'll tell you who the hot girl was at CNN last night. And then uh, I'll tell you this. Oh, by, and I went to the dentist yesterday. So How was that? I understand why you do that in the uh, morning, Tim, because it's hilarious. I came by the station, so I went to the dentist last night. And first of all, well, let me, let me just get my dental notes out of the way now so I have to talk about them later as we're in the lunch hour. It's nothing gross. But, I mean, look, we all know the dentist. Okay, don't say anything about scraping the plaque below your gums again. It's not going to be disgusting. It's just that, like, you know, the dentist makes... Were you pulling your headphones off your ears to avoid... No, 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 my headphones are, like, squishing my head today. It's nothing gross. I mean, you know, I had to get a filling. Uh, But, you know, the dentist just makes you anxious. And I'm not going to do the thing of playing the dental driller. We all know that going to the dentist makes you anxious. And but, so much so that, you know, this morning I woke up and I was actually a little sore. And I re all over. And I realized it's because you spend about an hour and a half tensed up. You spend about an hour and a half in the dental chair going, ah, ah, like all cinched up and just anxious. And, ev- you know, every muscle is tensed. Uh, you, know, you're, you're, you know, your joints are all tensed up because you're, just, you're dreading that drill coming into your mouth. So, and then you go home and you're like, oh, wow. And so you're just all worn out. Anyway, so I'm at the dentist yesterday. And I should say, for the record, my dentist is fantastic. Fantastic. And I, I have no vested interest in that. They're not an advertiser, I don't think. I, I You know, whatever. Even it, 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 my, my dentist is wonderful. He is exactly... If you could create, like, in some sort of, like, the holodeck, uh, you know, Star Trek, the dentist you'd want, it's this guy. I mean, he is absolutely proceeds with caution, goes slowly. He recognizes the fact that you are terrified, um, d- you know, and takes it absolutely one small step at a time. He's a wonderful dentist, and he looks just like Jack Horner from Boogie Nights. So I'm sitting in the chair, and he's doing the whole thing. Uh, he goes, well, here's what we're going to do. Um, you know, what we're going to do is this step, and then this step, and then I'm going to apply a little sealant, and, uh, you know, that should take care of you in the future. And he says, what kind of fillings do you want? He goes, we have the kind of filling that uh, blends in with your teeth, can't be seen. And I just said, give me whatever lasts the longest. You know, I work in radio. Give me whatever's going to last for as many years as possible. He goes, done and done. Good answer. So I've got, like, the big, massive composite fillings that are going to last for, like, 40 years. Yeah. Because you never know when you get another chance to go to the dentist. That's what I have. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, give me whatever's going to last for 15 years, man. Um, so, but do you ever do this? And I know you do. When you're at the dentist, do you always think you are the one in a thousand that the anesthetic won't work for? You always think you're the exception, right? Because that's what me, you know me, like I'm sitting in the back of the chair, and he goes, "Okay, we're we're doing this. We're gonna give you a little uh, injection. You put him shouldn't feel." And he does the great, he does the great misdirection, like I'm a five year old. He literally, as he's getting the needle ready to kind of give me the the shot, he goes, and uh, and uh, oh wait, hold on, wham, and he like hits me on the side of the head and injects me, and then it's like done. Uh, it was, I mean, it was fantastic. I didn't even notice it. So, and he goes, well, I'm going to come back in about five minutes. That should be uh, numbed up, and then we'll uh, we'll get you done and get you out of here. I'm okay. All right. Thanks so much. And then he comes back in, and he's like, okay, and uh, we're going to do, we're going to just do a little, uh, a little small drilling in an area here, and then we're going to get the rest of it done, and we'll get it taken care of. And he, you know, has that calming, soothing voice. But you always, always think you are the exception, and that somehow you can't be affected by anesthetics, and he's going to start drilling, and you're going to feel everything. And so I'm leaning back in the chair, and he starts to do the drilling. And it's all that, you know, all that, like, Bill Cosby stuff about, like, how you can smell the smoke coming out of your mouth, like something's on fire, and that's unnerving. And, you know, how he does the whole thing. How's that feeling for you? You know, and you can't even talk. But at one point, you know, he's given me the, the, the drilling or whatever. 
And then it's like I almost do feel a low-grade pain. Like, it wasn't terrible, but it was like I could feel a little bit of pain happening. And then, then, like the, then the panic stacks up. As when they're drilling your teeth, if you feel any, any kind of discomfort, suddenly it just goes all out of proportion and you are terrified. Because if you can feel any pain at all, suddenly you can start seeing down the road to like, oh my God, what if this is, uh, 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 wait, hold on a second. What if he drills deep? What if, the, what if this is it? What if, the, what if it's already wearing off? Oh, and so I raise my hand. I'm like, oh, whatever. So then he's like, then he tells me he's like, well, unfortunately we've already given you the shot. We can't really do anything for that. So you, you know, it should take effect. We just we'll we'll get through this. And so, you know, he kind of took me through the whole thing. And then as, as we're leaving, though, this is how I know I'm not crazy. As I'm getting ready to leave the dentist yesterday, he goes, hey, and by the way, when you come back next time, um, we're going to give you a stronger dose of painkiller next time, which is good because on the one hand you go that's great, but on the other hand you go, oh my god, it wasn't my imagination. There really wasn't enough in there. Then you get like the retroactive fear. Because if the dentist is saying, next time we're going to give you more painkiller, you're like, oh, my God, even the dentist doesn't think I had enough this time. And then you just all of this terrible, like, retrospective sweat fear going on. Um, anyway, my final observation about the dentist, this is one of those things that is like a stone revelation when you're, you know, getting high in your dorm room at 2 a.m. Doesn't it seem weird that in 2008 we can put guys on planet, you know, Mars or whatever, and yet there's still a guy drilling holes in your teeth. I mean, there's a guy taking basically a thing out of, like, the wood shop class and drilling parts of your skull with it. it doesn't, doesn't it seem like we ought to be past that at this point? And that huge metal needle big enough for a horse. Right. I mean, it's... Well, I mean, I understand that if something, you know, it ain't broke, it don't fix it, but... I mean, really, we have nuclear power. We can send satellites into outer space that can commute. We can commute... I can pick up the phone and I can call somebody in China. Mm -hmm. Uh... And yet there's still a guy actually drilling parts of my skull away with a big metal implement. It just seems strangely primitive. It seems like we ought to advance past that by now. Uh, all right, two quick emails, then we'll break. This is about the terrifying photograph from yesterday. Uh, I got uh, probably four dozen of these emails. I'm just going to read two. You can see this at rickemerson.com. Subject line, all caps, oh, God, why? And then about 50 question marks. Rick, you son of a bitch. I saw that picture on your blog this morning, and I woke up at four. Uh, uh, oh, he said, I saw that picture with the fingers on your blog late last night, and I woke up at 1.44 in the morning after a nightmare. Attention, Sarah Dillon. I was walking in the mall, and someone threw up the peace sign, and I noticed something wrong with their hand. And when I got a closer look, it was that picture. Oh, that is so wrong. Then the guy turned into Pennywise, and now I will never sleep again. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. All right, thank you. And one more here. This is from Aaron. Uh, Aaron in the OC. Rick, even though I know that picture is fake and even though I know what it is, I can't shake its nightmarish imagery from my mind. It's close to 11 o'clock at night now and I fear the visions that await me when I close my eyes. Thank God I have beer. Please hold me. Hold me. Please hold me. That's Aaron and EOC. All right. Yeah, it really doesn't matter if that's fake. It is just so wrong. Some images shouldn't be. You know what? There, there aren't any real H.R. Giger uh, aliens with metal teeth that come out. Doesn't mean they're not freaky. Well, let's break. We'll come back. Uh, if you're on hold, hang tight. Uh, we'll get to your calls. Uh, we'll talk about the talk about this trashy hot chick that was on TV last night. We'll talk to Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum, Tim Riley. All of that coming up. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Stay there. Why, hello. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. This email says, Rick, did the dentist's fingers look like that picture on your blog? Thanks so oh, much. Oh, no. No, but thanks for putting that in my head, so to speak. Oh, they're so near your mouth, too. Thanks. Sitting around in there. The dentist, rubbing on your teeth. Thanks. The dentist was really great. 
Um, his his uh, thing not his comment afterward notwithstanding about next time we'll have to give you more pain relief. Um, so I ended up not feeling anything, but you do get that weird. It's it's more the vibration, you know what I mean, when they're drilling and it's like, you know, it's like you can't feel it as such, but you can sense it if that makes sense. You know, like like your mouth is numb, but it's like when they're drilling your tooth, you can feel the vibration and then it just it's like a weird. Almost like, like electrical mm, sensation. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing that sort of freaks you out. Um, but then, of course, it, and it will, uh, it will talk to you with CNN Radio correspondent Mark Shearer here in just a moment. But, but so then I leave. That was yesterday uh, after work. So I went to the dentist. I don't know, like 6 o'clock, something like that. So I get done, and I have to come back here to work to finish some stuff up. And it's just like the whole, I guess, like the whole Bill Cosby dentist sketch where the whole left half of my face, it's like I'm Robert Guillaume in second season sports night. You can't talk at all. And I walk in, and you sort of forget about it. You know, you you, you know, you, you you forget for just a moment that your mouth is all numbed up. So I walk into the KUFO studio to tell something to Court and Fat Boy, and I'm like, Hey, look at Hala. And it takes you a second to remember why it is that you can't speak, and for just like a fraction of a moment, you are afraid that you've just forgotten how to talk. Something in your brain has misfired, some circuit not closing, and you actually have lost the power of cogent speech. So that was my yesterday at the dentist. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show uh, from, uh, I think Mark is in New York, is he not? Seeing a radio correspondent, Mark Shearer in New York City. Hello, sir. How are you? Yeah, speaking about going to the dentist, let's talk about the, the economy. Is that your patented dry wit right there, Mark? You can call it what you want. <laughs> Is that the Noel Coward-esque humor that will be the hallmark of this phone call? <laughs> we can only hope. Excellent. Uh, well, we haven't talked uh, in, in a while. It's actually been quite some time uh, since you've been. And so, you're, so I guess you're there on a day where you can talk about something good, right? Because I think we had, although I don't really know where things stand as of today, all I know is that yesterday when I went home, I was watching CNN and Ali Velshi was there talking about the uh, the market, and there was just this big a jagged line with an arrow going way up at the end. It was like, what, like 900 and, 900 and some points yesterday, right? Yeah, 900 plus. Um, unfortunately, there hasn't been uh, uh, back to two days, you know, back-to-back -back gains in uh, over a month. And today is the jury's still out today. What, what happened within the hour was the Fed just announced another uh, rate cut. The, uh, the, uh, uh, it's, it's called the overnight lending rate for banks. Uh, it's the it's the rate that banks charge on overnight loans. Mm -hmm. They brought it down from 1.5 percent to 1 percent. And if if anyone was hoping there would be an immediate response in the stock market and we'd go up another 900 points, well, they're going to be disappointed. It's been up and down all morning, and right now the Dow is up about 25 points. It's sort of been bouncing up and down all day, a little bit below, a little bit above. But this latest cut in the interest rate um, so far hasn't produced mm -hmm. any noticeable effect one way or the other well i don't have to tell you that i've just i've just learned to be zen with disappointment at this uh, at this juncture sir uh, in the economy and in all things i've just learned to embrace diminished expectations it's just, I think uh, that's good uh, good policy good become part of, policy to become part of my american outlook on the day so <laughs> all right always a pleasure mark Shearer in new york city thank you sir Take care. All right, there you go. Mark Shearer, ladies and gentlemen. Later on, we're going to talk to Steve Kastenbaum, who is still ensconced in Philadelphia, where I guess, and I'm unclear now about whether, I don't even know whether the Obama thing is going to, is going to delay the start of what was supposed to be 
the final game tonight. I thought it was because wasn't McCain spouting his mouth off yesterday saying, like, when I'm president, I would never delay any game. Totally. Which is a great little line. I mean, oh, you gotta, a good line. You're going to throw right to the middle of America. That's the kind of... What are you doing over there? I can't get this open. Will you open this for me? What is it? It's an applesauce. What's well, got the little... Oh, is that the... Oh, wait. Never mind. I got it. Oh, uh, see, I was going to try to do man's work there for a second. Oh. I was like, baby, you let a man open that jar for you. All right. Well done. Um, anyway, so uh, we'll talk more about this later on. Like I said, a whole hour on this uh, on this yesterday, because the whole thing started late. It was I think it started later than any World Series ever. Then rain delayed Game Three, and then Game Five. I think they suspended in the sixth inning, which is weird because I somebody said that I think that something if a game goes past it's like three or four innings. I think it's baseball. I think if a game goes past four innings, it counts. Like it's an actual game. Uh, which means I think at that point they should have just called it and said they won. Uh, but they're going to try to finish it up tonight, but then the Obama thing might push it late. So it's all very interesting. Hi, you're on the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Hello. Yes, I am just dying to know what Cole Porter lyric that you cannot possibly mention on the air. I'm well, a Cole Porter fan. Um, but I, could you post it on the website, Jamie? Well, I was actually going to, and see, now having, um, let me just back up for a second. We were talking about, this is how my mind works. This is the sort of Rube Goldbergian contraption that is my mental process. So uh, a while back, we were talking about Barack Obama doing this infomercial tonight. And then we were talking about, well, what's he going to do? And what, you know, what, how is he going to fill half an hour? And then somebody was saying, I think Sarah said he should just like break out into song. And then I said, yeah, he should just bust out into a Cole Porter lyric. Right. And then the only Cole Porter lyric that came to mind was one that I was actually just talking to somebody about it during the break. And it's one that I think Cole Porter wrote but then was never, this was just the most niche conversation. It's a Cole Porter lyric that he wrote, but then I think was never widely released because I think even then, uh, you know, even, then, even then they spotted that it was a double entendre. And uh, it, it, yes, because he had such a gift of the double entendre and was able to, to get things by the mainstream audience, like Under My Skin, for example, is about heroin addiction. And so, and, you know, and, and Cole Porter was the gay and often slipped in, uh, you know, lines about that when sort of nobody, when the, when the man wasn't looking. So there is this Cole Porter song called Let's, is it called Let's Do It? Is that the name of the song? Let's fall in love. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's fall in love. And the great thing, of it, it will, I can actually track it down and play it later. It's a pretty great song. Um, but it's a whole thing about how different animals and different creatures do it. And obviously, it is a euphemism for sex anyway in the song. But there is this line that he wrote that has to do with, um, I'll put it this way. Uh, the line has to do with how uh, how a uh, how a rooster and... Uh, you know, how a chicken and a rooster uh, might do it. Oh, and it and it rhymes okay. with clock. Yeah, I cool. yeah, okay, so there's that little lyric there. Okay, I can see what the episode And that was right. actually the Cole Porter lyric I was going to quote, but we we live in a rather blue-nosed and puritanical time, and so I opted yeah. not to do that. That was a thing that I took out in... Yeah, sometimes we say we'll fix it in post. I fix that in pre. Ah. So, all right, there you go. Thank you. Okay, thank you. All right, there you go. Fantastic. Uh, although I do have a cover version of that song at home with the original lyrics, in fact. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello there. Is this me? Uh, yes, it is, sir. <laughs> hey, Rick. Hey, um, actually, um, I did listen to the little bit of the stint that Lycus did on the uh, the baseball game there. And actually, and just so you know, I mean, I don't know if Lycus looked it up or not, but um, World Series games have a different set of rules. Um, while it is true that once you go past the fourth inning, it's an official game, World Series rules are different. So, uh, well, so what is the... I can't believe I'm actually talking about baseball. First of all, let me back up for a second and do make two observations. One, 
One, I'm not much of a sports guy, and B, even if I were, I'm talking about something that almost no one in America cares about at this point. But that notwithstanding, what is the actual rule for the World Series? You've got to go until somebody wins? Right. And it's actual, you play that all eight innings or whatever. So it actually goes you need all the way through. Turn your radio up as loud as it'll go, sir. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, you know, it actually gets played all the way out, um, all, all nine innings or if there's overtime or whatever. Okay, so, all right, so they don't have to call it at four. Well, that makes a lot more sense then. Uh, okay. And then what is the deal, presuming you are a baseball fan, so what is the deal tonight? Is it going to get bumped by Obama's speech? Um, you know, I kind of don't care. Um, because <laughs> it's playing, actually. So. Excellent. All right, there you go. Well, thank you. Points for honesty, sir. All right, thanks, Rick. Thank you. All right. Fantastic. Uh, We'll do a few more of these. We'll break. We'll come back with uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Well, thanks so much. Hi, you're on the the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. You're getting the rules of baseball wrong. For the love of God. All right, what are the rules of baseball, ma'am? As of the beginning of the 2007 season, there are no ties. They're going to play the game until someone wins. That's why the problem with the rainout, because it got called at a tie. So wait, so what about now, is this, does this mean the last guy was still correct or the last guy was incorrect and really your, your reasoning is, is the foundation for them taking the game long the other night? The last guy was incorrect. The World Series does not have different rules than everyday baseball. Hear that, sir? You were corrected by a girl just now. How's that feel? Yeah. <laughs> what is... You, she's not she's not seeing the humor. Um all right, so you are saying that what? Nothing. All right. Uh in any event, so blah 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 blah, uh regular game, blah 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 and blah blah blah. And they changed it at the beginning of the two thousand seven season. All right, duly noted. No, I was just saying, because remember how sometimes we've had people who their voices they sound like a woman but That's really they're a man. That was a woman. You sure? No. Well, whatever. <laughs> as soon as you said woman, I'm like, oh, I don't know. All right. Uh, and so forth. Well, look. Look at it this way. Uh, if it was a woman, then I go back to my previous statement. You were corrected on sports by a girl just now. Yeah. If it wasn't a woman, if it was, in fact, a man with a high-pitched voice, first of all, I'm sorry. Uh, and sorry for you. And secondly, I had a whole thing I was going to do. Secondly, then, you were corrected by a guy who sounds like a woman. Who, now, this all seemed a lot funnier before I tried to explain it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Oh wow! I I, I got the the. the real Are you really a here. woman that sounds like a man? No. no. Okay. <laughs> okay. So baseball games, if they play for four and a half innings, uh-huh. and then they call the game, whoever is ahead when it's called wins the game. Okay. Well, that's what I. Okay. I now falling into a happens. rabbit hole they here where I care it. about this. So, <laughs> so why did they call it the World other night? Playoffs, regular season. If they play four and a half innings, call the game, right. whoever's the head wins. Yeah, I understand. So why didn't they call it the other night, though, is my question. Well, they should have. Okay. Now, some people are theorizing that they let them keep playing until um, there was a tie and then called the game, so they had to continue it. Ah, uh, so, the so the theory is they extended it just long enough to guarantee that it would have to go longer. Exactly. That's like I have a friend. And, 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 and ensuring that... Uh, well, you get another game, too. Yeah, and I have a friend of mine who theorizes. <clears throat> a friend of mine is pointing out... It points out to me every year. Every year I get this email from him insisting that when it comes to the NBA championships, that there's somebody somewhere in a room demanding that it go as many games. In other words, you can't win it in four. That it's so got to go as many games as possible. My dad has been saying that since the, the, the late 80s. Yeah, yeah. All right, thank yeah. you, sir. 
Or ma'am, as the case may be. <laughs> Jesus. You never know, Rick It's a world where black is white and up is down. Yeah, my friend, uh, well, I won't give his name because it makes him sound like a nutty conspiracy guy, but uh, I have a friend of mine who insists that the NBA championship is artificially extended every year, that there's some ref somewhere who's been instructed to make just the right number of calls so that the championship has to be extended, you know, like five, six, seven games or whatever. Uh, and somebody said, well, that's crazy. Why would they do that? And he said, well, first of all, let's be, I mean, you know, and even I know this, you go into the NBA championships, it's never really evenly matched. You know, the NBA championships are always between... It's like how the Super Bowl always ends up being a blowout. The NBA championships, there's always one team that just seems overmatched by the other. There's always one team that is way better than the other team that, you know, that they're playing against. And he he said, and so it just defies logic that you would not wrap it up in four games if you're that team, that, you know, if you're the Chicago Bulls, you know, in, the, in the, like the, you know, the middle late 90s or whatever. And then he said, secondly, and this actually does make sense, you think about the NBA championships, how much money is on the line for every game? I mean, not just tickets. I mean, it's ticket prices, but also the advertising. How much television revenue is at stake for every additional night uh, that they can broadcast a game? And so, you know, his thing, if you look, you can extend that by one game or even two, you're talking about tens of millions of dollars, you know, mm-hmm. in either the plus or the negative column. So, yeah, he's convinced that there's... That they call. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I would totally believe that. And he said he doesn't think the players are in on it. He doesn't think the coaches are on it. He thinks there's probably one or two guys who work for the league as refs who have been told just to make sure that it goes to five or six games every time that they can't do it in four. Let's do two more of these and then never talk about baseball again. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Is this me? Yes, it is. Hey, Rich, it's Maurice. Hey, oh. they, are, they all are wrong. In baseball, after five innings, whether it's playoff or regular season, whoever in the league wins the game. They call it because of rain. When Tampa tied the game in the sixth inning, Philadelphia wanted the game to be called before that because of the conditions were bad. It's not a playoff thing. We rules are different. It's always who's ever leading after five innings. All right, then. Okay, so after five, that is the break point always. Yes. Okay. And so, but and the only reason why they did it is because when Tampa tied it to go do the rain delay is that you can't end the game on a tie, so someone has to win. But Philly wanted the game to be ended before that because of the rain and the conditions. All right, then. All right, duly noted. All right, thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. All right, there you go. That's Maurice. All right. That's it. We're done. Never call about baseball again. Anybody? All right, anywhere. can we break and forget that we ever talked about baseball? Yes. Oh, no, uh, what did you get? No, I'm just I'm just reading the emails. I'm not going to read any of these on the air, by the way, because it just encourages people. It's my own fault. I know that I'm the one who said, what, what is the deal with baseball? But I just got to do Rick, everybody is wrong. Look, I'm going to call in right now and tell you that some other guy. No, not going to happen, sir. Thank you. All right, back after this with Tim Riley. Don't go anywhere. Hey, the best part is we get to have that baseball conversation again at 205 with Steve Castaba, who's in Philadelphia, apparently forever. Uh, just one final comment about that before we go on. The only reason I care about it is because, A, well, there's three three small reasons. One is it sort of intersect, intersects with the Obama thing tonight. Uh, two, Steve is in Philadelphia. What? A and two, or the last time you did one and then B. It's part of the multifaceted appeal of the Rick Emerson it's show. It's genius. I'm sorry, continue. I did not mean to disrupt. And finally, 
please don't call to correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I do believe that the Phillies in the last century, in the last 100 years, have won exactly one championship, and I think they would have won the other night if they had just called the game at five or whatever. And so they didn't, and so they got screwed and may, in fact, be screwed out of their second championship in only 100 years. So there you go. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, it's 503-7332-970. This is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. There's some gal out there promoting a phony Shakira concert. Police are searching for a Beaverton woman who they believe is putting together a mock concert that's really not taking place in Bellevue. This phony three-day event is called the first annual International Dance Festival. It was supposed to culminate Sunday night with a concert by Shakira. Tickets are already being sold for as much as $230 apiece. Some people have already bought them. So according to officials at print and copy shop Laser Quick in Beaverton, the same woman recently ordered more than $5,000 worth of posters, postcards, business cards, and concert tickets advertising the Shakira concert. The printers only found out that this event was bogus after the bank returned the checks written to pay for the job, checks that police say were counterfeit. So they want to uh, hear from you if you're going to this phony Shakira concert. Well, wait, so was she selling tickets? Was yes. she? Yes. Ah, okay, so she was unloading tickets at an event that was never going to take place. Correct. You think if you're going to blow $5,000 at the printing place getting postcards made, you could just buy yourself a little, uh, you know, buy yourself a decent laser printer at home. Do that in the privacy of one's own residence to avoid, uh, you know, rousing the suspicions of the man. Uh, what do I know? Two guys had killed last night with a small plane. They were in crashed next to Estacada. Uh, they apparently used a cell phone to call the owner of the airport to report electrical problems in the 1964 Cessna. Oof, the year of that alone means trouble. Sometime after 7 o'clock, apparently all the electrical equipment on the plane became inoperable. I don't think I want to be flying in a plane that's 44 years old. Yeah. I mean, you know, all, all things being equal. Uh, most of the flight controls on the Cessna do not require electrical power, but it's, it would probably help. The pilot also asked uh, what runway lights could be turned on. The airport complied with the request. It was dark at the time of the crash. A citizen calls 911 to report seeing a plane flying overhead without any lights. Oh. Or crashing sounds. Oh, that's awful. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Uh, officials at the FAA are heading to the site to investigate what caused the crash. I mean, really, I mean, when given the choice between an airplane that has electricity powering things and a plane that doesn't have electricity powering things, go with electricity. Mm -hmm. That's uh, And go with backup electricity. And then go with a backup to your backup electricity. Really, like uh, 50,000 feet off the ground or whatever the hell, that's no time to find out that like the tab A isn't connecting to slot B behind the plane's dashboard, you know? Here's Tim Riley. So the owner of the dog that uh, killed the other dog on the TriMet bus is sorry. Uh, TriMet spokeswoman Peggy LaPointe, who we know, said the bus driver, whose name is Sherry Alcover, had asked this guy... Why do we know Peggy LaPointe? Peggy LaPointe used to work with us at Hot Talk 1080. Oh, Peggy she hates LaPointe. me. She likes me. Yeah. she hates you. Why not, Tim? I think really the really the, the, the more specific question is, out of the long laundry list of reasons why somebody might hate me, which one has she chosen? I, I don't know. I remember when... always say they hate you. Yeah. No, no, she really does. You're a lot me. more liked now than you used to be, though. Is you used to be a pretty big pariah. Is it because uh, it, you're cause all like I'm, you're all like social? And, my new spark and your hair's shorter. Yeah, I, I respected you more when you were hated more. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. Well, <laughs> pre poodle and marriage and. I guess I'll just have to go burn down an orphanage. Um, for the blind. 
Lepers. So Peggy LaPointe, who hates you. Here's the thing about Peggy LaPointe hating me, though. Yeah. Doesn't matter because I still love her because she's hot. Uh, she uh, was on KOTK? Uh, she was a board op she was my way board back in the day. When you were on the board. She ran Lycus, uh, who she also hated, oh, by the way. I totally remember her. I liked her. Yeah, uh, she had very prominent eyes. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, boy. Uh, I, don't, I don't see why she didn't like you. Maybe because I maybe because I remarked about uh, about her uh, physical appearance. You did? No, but I thought about it. You did it with your eyes. I'm doing it right now, by the way. Peggy, you're hot. Uh, it doesn't matter. She doesn't like me anyway, and I don't work with her. You know what? So suck that, HR. She doesn't work here. Uh, I'm just saying, when I went to work at KOTK, she was the board op in the afternoon. Now we're just making the whole story about Peggy. Um, <laughs> this is Behold the Unique Nature of This Radio Broadcast. We'll get back to the actual story in a second. When I went to work at KFTK... Which really has very little to do with her, except she's the trident spokesperson. She um, she was the afternoon board op, and she board op Lycus, did she not? And my news in the afternoon. So, I, I know she was a big fan of yours. I mean, you, uh, She liked you quite a lot. She did not care for Tom Lycus. She didn't care for running that program. Apparently, it uh, ran counter to some of her feminist sensibilities. That was funny, because it was her running it, and then I was running it as well, and I felt right. the same way. So it's all these women who loved him but hate Tom Likas running the board. Well, you, I mean, to be fair, you sort of, I think initially, when the, what, I think for a lot of women, I think there's only two things. When you're a woman and you hear Tom Likas, there's really only two ways that works out. Some women hear Tom Likas, and they just go, you know, and Tom has, has done whole shows of women calling and talking about this. Women will hear Tom Likas and they'll say, that guy's a pig, he's disgusting, he's a chauvinist, he's whatever, and then they're just, they're done. Um... There's a small subset of women, actually, who will tune in, hear Tom Likas, say, Tom Likas is, he's, he offends me, uh, he horrifies me, he's a caveman, he's a Neanderthal, but then they will keep listening, often uh, with freakish devotion. And then there are, I think, there's the category that you fall into, Sarah, where you hear Likas and your first thing is like, what is up with this guy? Like, he's just the worst thing. That... But then you sort of, but then you learn to appreciate it because Tom is hilarious. Peggy never, fall, never fell into that category. You eventually learn to embrace Tom as entertainment because he's very good at what he does. She never learned to embrace the entertainment venue. She was just horrified by him. And so I think she actually at one point told Bruce Agler, she's just like, I can't run Tom Likas anymore. I have to leave. I think she quit and went to work somewhere else and then ended up in trying it because she didn't want to work uh, Likas. Um, anyway, so long story short, when I first came to KOTK, she was board hopping. And I was like, why, hello, who's this? Who's this stylish and attractive young lady? And is you know, that what you said to myself oh. in my inside my own brain with lots of echo and then a sort of like 1935 music bed underneath it and like a Dashiell Hammett kind of a thing. And so that was the sort of thing going on in my head. You know, I was trying to be my trying to be my normal, you know, amusing, charming self, trying to be cute as a button as I am. And Bruce Agler actually said to me at one point, he's like, yeah, Peggy, she, uh, yeah, she doesn't like you very much. I said, what? What do you mean? He goes, yeah, she, yeah, she hates you. I don't know. What would you ever do to her? And I'm like, I don't know. I've never even spoken to her because I'm terrified of women. And uh, so I have to admire them from afar. And I said, I don't know, Bruce. I don't think I've ever even spoken to you. Well, he wasn't on something. Yeah, he doesn't like you. You are... Uh... Yeah, she hates you. All right. Well, anyway, today's show sucked. You make him sound like James Gum. Or, 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 or I'm a... But, but I can see him saying that. Yeah, yeah but I mean, that, but he's Bruce is a very... Honest. He's a plain spoken he, if, man. If Bruce is anything, he is honest. Bruce Aguilar did not gild the lily. And so I think he transitioned right from, yeah, Peggy just hates you, to, uh, well, today's show just sucked. It was uh, I have some notes. And it was like 40 things that I'd done wrong on that day's show. Anyway, she probably still hates me, but it doesn't matter because she's still hot. So what is she talking about in the actual news story, Tim? 
Well, Peggy LaPointe said, The bus driver, Sherry Alcover, had asked this guy, walking this vicious dog, whether or not it was a service or companion dog. And he answered yes. But he didn't indicate which, which the bus driver cannot ask, as we found out yesterday. So you can't, uh, there can be no clarifying questions about the nature of the service. Right. All right. It, it can be a service or a companion dog. You do not have to indicate which of those two it is. So as it turned out, this dog was neither. Uh, this man spun some tall tale. Well, that was dog on the bus. That was the question Laura had last night because I was recapping this whole story for her, and I was saying, well, you know, as it turns out, you can take any animal on the bus, and I think it's an ADA thing. Mm-hmm. It is an American with Disabilities Act thing that you cannot, sure. as long as they say, look, this is my service canary, mm-hmm. you are not allowed to question that, demand documentation, ask follow-up questions. You know, but it looked like the evidence was that this guy had sort of lied about it. And so Laura's question is, yeah, she's like, well, what's going to happen to this guy? And I said, well, he can't ride the bus for 30 days. Like, that's his big whopping punishment. So the police report released by TriMet. This fellow told police he actually had to move the dog to a friend's house because his landlord wouldn't let him keep it. Mm -hmm. So this is just a tangle web of misstatements. It's all deceit. Lies. So Peggy LaPointe goes on to say, All animals need to be in a carrier except service cats, rabbits, dogs, and monkeys. They need to be on a leash, says Peggy LaPointe. There are service rabbits? I guess you can have service. What is the list of service animals again? All animals need to be in a carrier except service cats, rabbits, dogs, and monkeys. Service monkey. Has anybody in Portland seen anybody with a service monkey? No, that would be amazing, though. I mean, I don't know what service they would provide. I mean, uh, you know, except maybe to, uh, I don't know, I'm looking, for, I'm looking for a BJ and the Bear reference here, but it's not coming together. Is BJ and the Bear the show with the monkey, the orangutan? Yes, it is. It was a, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a, a spin-off of the movie with uh, Clint Eastwood. All right. right. Well, in any event. So there you go. Uh, so is anything going to happen to the guy apart from the 30 days not riding the train or the, uh, the, the bus? Well, they don't know yet, so that's as far as the story goes so far. So okay. people continue to be outraged. Well, as they should. And the more outrage, something further will be done about this. I mean, you know what? Here's the thing. You don't want to screw with, like, the pet-owning community. Because mm-hmm. the pet-owning community, uh, at least a certain slice of that community, they have, a lot of, they have a lot of three things. They have a lot of money, time, and outrage energy. And so they will, uh, you know, I'm telling you, that, that guy's uh, little red wagon needs to be fixed. And people with lap dogs tend to have more money. That, well, and a Pomeranian, too. That's not an inexpensive dog. I don't know if she was doing riding the bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not a cheap dog. If you have a, a, a somewhat pricey lap dog, mm-hmm. the, the, first of all, did you say that the guy apologized? That was his thing? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that my 50-pound uh, compensating Rottweiler destroyed your dog while it was sitting in your lap. I mean, really. Because I had to move the dog out of my apartment. I had to take it to a friend's house. And apparently, he doesn't own a car. So you just, this guy doesn't have anything going for him in the first place. And you know what? He's just making more people's lives miserable every place he goes. And you know the dog's name was Bruno, and he was, like, keeping on the end of a piece of twine. I uh, know. The dog's name was uh, Max. Oh, dogs named Max are always the problem. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, in any event. Do we want to take a phone call about Peggy LaPointe? Yes. It could be Peggy LaPointe. It's not. Maybe it's it a guy is. named Steve. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Maybe it's hi, Peggy LaPointe's Hi, Sarah. Husband. Hi, Tim. Hi, hi. Hello. Hi. I, hey. just thought, I do know Peggy LaPointe. I've met her. I agree with your physical assessment of her. But, Rick, doesn't Peggy LaPointe sound like the burlesque dance at the bar three blocks from Sterling Cooper? Let's be very clear that Peggy LaPointe is not a burlesque dancer. <laughs> I understand that. <laughs> um, in other words, 
you were saying that she sounds like, are you saying that? The is, name. That the is, name would be great. As a burlesque dancer at the bar three blocks away from Sterling Cooper. The bar where they took the actual, where they took Peggy Olson actually, yeah. early this season. Um, I suppose I could see that, or maybe... Peggy LaPointe might be maybe a studio contract actress, maybe back in the 40s that was sort of, you know, always playing like second woman to the left or playing like, you know, like Mr. Smith's assistant. Or screamed at the top of the lungs when, when the uh, the monster came toward her. When the blob yeah. lurched past Stephen, uh, Steve McQueen, you know, uh, she was the yeah, she was the sort of second stringer for, on the Universal Here lot. Here comes the rather critical. Right. Yeah. All right. No, duly noted, sir. Also, yeah. one other quick other observation, um, Sarah Finn. We figured out why the Republican Party actually kept, uh, went for her as the vice presidential uh, nominee. Mm. Um, they were trying to capture the swing vote. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> the best part is how you actually laughed at it yourself when you were done. Ma, ma, All right, thank ma, you. Ma, ma. That sounds like a joke Richie would tell. It really does. <laughs> Maybe Richie did tell him that before he got on. I do have to give that guy just the tiniest bit of credit and salute, though, uh, for glossing over. Not glossing over, but the handling in a very uh, in a very brief and respectful fashion. What well, could have been an awkward part of the phone call when he said, "I know Peggy the point, and I have to agree with your physical assessment of her." Moving on, so he didn't linger there. So thanks for that, and God for small mercies. One more, please don't be about Peggy the point. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's going on, Rick? Hey. So I was uh, sitting here this morning eating my cornflakes and watching commercials, and lo and behold, Joe the plumber commercial came on from the McCain, McCain campaign, and it was about six or eight people all saying, I am Joe the Plumber, and... Is that like an I am, Spart- I am Spartacus kind of a thing? Well, it's a it franchise, like probably. That. Yeah. Like, I just disagreeing with the whole, like, spreading the wealth and yada, 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 and and I am John McCain, and I approve this message, and I'm just thinking, I'm John McCain, and I am desperate. But, I mean, what what is the actual, what what is the content of the ad? Essentially, how Barack Obama wants to spread wealth, and how um, you know I've uh, what was it like I've, I've like bled you know hours or worked hard. Oh, oh, so it's not so it is actually just the actual Joe the Plumber. No, it, well, it's like it's like multiple random people. Are they all it's saying the women. phrase? Let me ask you this: At, Do they all say the phrase "I am Joe the Plumber"? Yes. Okay, first of all. That's retarded. Second of all, it's great, though, because it's a clever little bit of uh, visual jujitsu. because what it does is it helps to gloss over the fact that Joe the plumber is actually not a licensed plumber, nor is he named Joe. So they actually see this is the sort of thing that Republicans used to be exceptionally good at. By having a whole bunch of people, uh, obviously, and you know that it was like a focus group of various uh, ethnicities and cultures, um, standing up and saying, I also am Joe the Plumber. That By doing that, it does help to sort of uh, obfuscate. Joe the Plumber. Totally. Today I, today I say to you, I am a plumber. And, and so by doing that, it helps to obfuscate the fact that he is not Joe, nor is he a plumber. So that is well done, Republicans. All right, yeah, then. I mean, it would get like too little too late and, you know, we could tempt it. Now there are a few days left to go. This could all turn around. Yeah. There's well, always, always hope. But, you know, the other thing, too, though, is I honestly, I, I can't watch any news networks other than, like, Comedy Central and Jon Stewart. I'm telling you, here's the thing, and I'm not just saying this because uh, we have a longstanding relationship with them. You really owe it to yourself. If you are following this uh, campaign, if you, you know, if you would like it, if you're following it either 
because you have some sort of investment in it and you think it's going to make the world a better place or whatever, or if you're following it as theater or quite possibly both of those, you really should be watching Anderson Cooper's coverage on CNN. Larry King, I would avoid because it's the same old talking heads yelling at each other about, you know, spinning off a bunch of stupid talking points. Anderson Cooper, though, and I, and I really do believe this, especially when they do the long-form coverage, by which I mean on nights that there is a debate or the nights that there was some sort of a primary vote, and they do like the three or four hours where it's like Paul Begala, David Gergen, Campbell Brown, uh, Alex Castellanos, all those guys. CNN does have, in my opinion, very good, objective, fair analysis from people across the spectrum. I, I, I really do believe I, that. I will give you that. I, as far as, I mean, like, I can't watch Fox News. Oh, no, because what, what would be the point of that? The only, the only reason to do that is just, like, if I really, you know, really want to amp myself up or get angry, I'll flip it over to Fox News. Like if you're getting ready to go work out at the gym? <laughs> exactly. I need to go do uh, I need to go do 75 sets of reps. Let me turn on Hannity. Yeah, yeah but, but, no, I agree. And then, actually, um, Campbell Brown was on the other night and talking about her show. It's like Campbell Brown, no bias, no right. bias. No BS, whatever she's doing. Some and she did that great. That Campbell Brown, I think, is the one who did the big free Sarah Palin speech. Was it? Was that not her? I think it was. Yeah, uh, all right. Well, in any event, thank you for the heads up, sir. I'll go look for that ad. Yeah, check it out. It's worth uh, watching. I am Joe the plumber. All right. Oh, then the other night on Anderson Cooper, you missed it. Who's that chick he usually talks to when they do the uh, the funny stories? Well, she, oh yeah, no, you know the thing is, I always skip that at the end. Oh, but you shouldn't have the other night. They were laughing about Lou Dobbs' very white teeth. Uh, that the size or the color or both? The color. Really? Yeah. Are they exceptionally white? I know they're exceptionally large. Yes. Does and, he basically just have huge white chiclets? Mm-hmm. Like Ed McMahon teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know we've had this discussion before, but doesn't he have a mirror? I mean, don't they? Look, here's the thing. When you go to get your hair cut, you don't leave until the guy holds up the mirror, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you look into the big mirror in front of you, and then the guy goes, and uh, would you like to see the back? All right, very, very good. And he turns you around, and you're holding up the mirror, and you see the, uh, you know, you see the back, and you go, "All right, that looks good. Thank you, Felipe." And then you leave. Uh, don't they do that with teeth? I mean, if they gave you big fake teeth in your mouth, wouldn't you want to look at those before you left the office? And look, let's, let's to be honest, it's not like Lou Dobbs. I mean, I'm sure he's got insurance. Lou Dobbs seems like a man of means uh, because an illegal immigrant hasn't yet taken his job, Tim. So Lou Dobbs has got money to get those things fixed. Why would you not go back in and go? Look, I think you gave me the wrong size teeth. Could you reduce these ever? Mary, 30% reduction. I mean, he basically looks like the mouth of Sauron at this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he'll be riding a horse, you know, and, and threatening an elf or something outside of the Black Gate. So, anyway, what is the name of that woman at the end of the Anderson Cooper segment? I can't think of her name. She's on every night. And I see, and I know she's on, but here's the thing. That is my signal to skip. When I see, I'll tell you this right now. I love CNN, love Anderson Cooper, great reporting, all that. But have you noticed, first of all, that he does? We've talked about this, where he takes the two shows that are just—it's one is a rerun of the other. It's the same show played twice back to back. But the way that he structures his teases and his commercial breaks is such that you can't really tell it's a rerun unless you're looking real carefully. But when he comes back at about 52, 53, that's effectively the end of the hour for him. Yes. Because all he has then is headlines, teases, and then he talks to that woman who has the picture of the water skiing squirrel or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to another break and he comes back and he starts again at the top. So as soon as he comes back from the 52, unless there's something really good right at the bat, I skip right past that. But So they were talking about Lou Dobbs this evening. What was the content of the, uh, of the discussion? Somebody made a comment about Lou Dobbs. Uh, one of them did. And th- then they started joking about his teeth, saying how white they were. 
And, and Anderson Cooper says, yes, Lou Dobbs has the whitest teeth around. <laughs> the thing about Anderson Cooper is he is, um, well, I can't say what I said to my wife the other night. Because Anderson Cooper made a comment about somebody either last night or the night before. It's like, we'll see you next Tuesday. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was like he, he was, was going to see us next Tuesday for election night. He was, indeed. He was saying... He was referring to the election night coverage and the fact that he would see you mm-hmm. and, and Tim America. and myself mm-hmm. and all of us next Tuesday. Because he does have a little bit of, um, I would say, razor-sharp snippiness to him when it's called for. And we've talked for, at some length about the fact that he and Wolf Blitzer obviously don't care for each other. And may, that might not even be a two-way street. I think Wolf Blitzer might, in fact, really... I'll just say it. When I watch Wolf Blitzer, I get the feeling that Wolf Blitzer really wants Anderson Cooper to like him. I get the feeling that Wolf Blitzer wants the approval of Anderson Cooper, and I get the feeling that Anderson Cooper dislikes him and doesn't care for him at all, and just sticks a, just a little bit of a blade in on, on Wolf Blitzer every now and again. And he did that to a guest the other night, too. A guest was trying to be a little smart with him, trying to give him a little bit of lip. And I forget exactly what the line is, but Anderson Cooper said something that was very clearly um, like, t- like he, was taking his, uh, he was taking his conversational yacht seaward. Uh, and... So that sounds like that's my, that what might have been what he was doing with Lou Dobbs's teeth. Well, now I gotta go find it. Was it last night? Last night. I've still got it recorded. Then I can dig it up tonight of my teeth. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Here's Tim Riley. Hi, sports fans. Portland rookie Greg Oden's highly anticipated NBA debut didn't last very long last night. He left the game against the Los Angeles Lakers late in the first half with a foot injury after taking four shots and going scoreless. Well, he shouldn't be drinking, I suppose. So this is. <laughs> Uh, wait, so this was last night? Yes. Did you not hear that genius I, line? No, no, no. I heard the four shots. That is that is amusing. Um, we should do a sports radio, shouldn't we? It was... Mm-hmm. Everyone does, Tim. Guys. So I was I was torn between they're laughing at that and then, but then asking... See, this is going to be more sports follow-up questions. So the deal is what we paid like a skillion dollars for Greg Oden. And then, I don't know, like he fell off a chair or something, like broke his leg or broke his knee and wasn't able to play. But so he's back. So now how many games has he been back for? I mean, does I'm it say? Here. I think the season just started because I saw the just game. start. Really? So yeah. now he's already injured himself. He's like back for just a handful of games, and he's already on the injured list. Yeah, I saw him play like a pregame um, a few weeks back, probably like three Sundays ago, uh-huh. two Sundays ago, and, and the season hadn't even started yet. I mean, look, he's fr- getting an MRI today. Oh, jeez, friend, it's just running and jumping. All right, let's. Let's not overthink everything. So he, he's Portland's old Beckham, I guess. Did I tell you I met <laughs> totally. Greg Oden once? Was he huge? And I have a friend, and I will not specify her in any way who made out with him. Really? Mm-hmm. Was he, uh, did he make out well? Yeah, well, she's small, and he's just, you know. Well, that's a relative statement. He's a huge guy. Yeah. She said he was just. Do I know this friend? I'm not going to say. Oh, a terrible person. I don't do that. All right. But was I met him once and I shook his hand, and his, his hand like came up to my elbow. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's a wall of a guy. It is not even, yeah. it, it doesn't even look real. He doesn't look real. He was sitting in a chair, and um, it was just so huge. All right. Here's Tim Riley. So he had five rebounds, one blocked shot, picked up two fouls, and had one turnover. So that must have been dessert. Let's see what else do I have here. Well, oh, in the meantime, early... oh, oh. <laughs> Should we do something else? I don't know. Go ahead. In just days from now, we'll have an historic presidential election. But in one Oregon county, people are not voting early or at all like they did in 2004. 
According to ballots provided by the Multnomah County Elections Office, so far 126,370 people have mailed in ballots. Compared with the numbers in 2004, were 1,500, well, seven people. So that's, what, 30,000 less, over 30,000 less in Multnomah County this time around so far. And this is in the whole... percent drop. Now, is this, so this is in the whole county. This is in the county. So now we go statewide. Statewide, the turnout is down, especially in red counties. Uh, surprisingly, the turnout is down, according to statistics compiled by the state election office. The state has received 522,188 ballots through the first seven days of early voting. That compares with 645,473 ballots, a 19% decline. So the decline is mostly in the red states. Now, do you... Do, 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 I you, mean the red counties. Do you think that they're late to vote somehow, or do you think they just figured, like, Kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, and that's Oregon. I mean, in One Oregon, state. you got to figure in Oregon. Well, you know, see, every time... you can't judge Oregon by Portland. They're two different animals. No, I mean, it's it really is sort of a donut. Um, it, today we are all donuts. It is very much, you know, as we say sometimes, a blue city inside this red state. Because man, you get, man, you get a few miles out of town, and it's and like and the teeth in the mouth diminish. <laughs> Exactly. No, but do you think it's like an inverse proportion almost? Mm -hmm. Like as the number of miles from Portland goes up, the number of teeth in the mouth goes down. And then you're looking at people, is this a male or a female or a combination of both? (laughs) That's when you know you're in a red county. Uh, No, I'm telling the truth. No, it's true. And now the thing is, normally, normally the turnout and the voting in Multnomah County is strong enough to sort of overwhelm whatever the red turnout is in the rest of the state. As it is in Washington State, yeah. once you win Seattle, you win Washington that's State. It. So, yeah, King County is really, that's the entire game in Washington. Mm-hmm. So you got to figure that maybe people who live in the red part of Oregon this year maybe feel like, it, you know, the jig is already up, you mm-hmm. know, like they're, they're not going to win, so why bother? Why expend the energy and, you know, the, the, the sort of emotional investment uh, if you're just going to get hosed? I'd be curious to know how that's happening across the country, though. Uh, in other words, if red or blue turn... First of all, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. This red-blue thing, I actually made a note to myself. I think CNN made time. that up a few years I ago. I was actually going to ask you that. I'm, I think it was CNN. I wrote this down because if you noted that even... It's not just on the magic map with John King. Mm-hmm. It's whenever they show the picture of uh, Barack Obama, it's blue. The picture of John McCain is red. And so I wrote this down at 9.26 last night. Who decided the red and blue thing? I think it was CNN. Because if Katie Couric did, they just laugh it off. Um, the do you suppose that there's a special spam folder for for notes from Katie Couric? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Dear Les, I really feel like we're making great progress in the news, and I feel like if you'd let me do some more serious investigative pieces, and he never sees it because it's right between like a like a penis enlarging email and like like some cheap Cialis spam. And then once a week, he just comes in and hits empty, <laughs> and there's just like a loud burning sound as it goes away. Are you saying one of the chief executives is trying to enlarge his penis? No, no, no. I'm saying it would be spam. It's in his spam folder because by definition, he doesn't need it, Tim, because he's all mad. Because his penis is huge. That is Sarah Dillon who just said that. Wow, this this escalated quickly. <laughs> I was just making a spam folder joke, but let it let it be said that if you examine and diagram the subtext of my comment, yes. it's that it's spam he wouldn't even read, Tim, because he does not need that. Gotcha. Because he is fully covered mm. on that aspect. That facet of his life, I'm assuming, could not possibly be better. That would just be my read on him as a man. Mm. Anyway, it was really a reference to Katie Couric, but... 
It seemed to go different places as we were talking. Katie, we don't need your investigative reporting. I have a large organ. It's basically what you're saying. <laughs> In so many words. Anywho. Well, I'm trying to make it family friendly. This is a good time to break. Yeah. Uh, if you're on hold, hang tight. We'll come back and get more of your phone calls around the corner. Later on, we'll do today's exit poll to see how things are going in the election. Here in Oregon, in the city of Portland, where we're employed at the moment. Later on, Steve Kastenbaum. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Kids, stay there. You want a shot, so I will take aim. Don't even ask me if I know your name. Don't look so shy. Do not be confused. I just want to shoot your soul for who rhythm. All right, then. We are all really weird. That, in turn, makes me think of that made-for-Disney movie, Mr. Boogity. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. A bit of an odd day, don't you think? Yes. Apparently, by the way, Tim Russert was the one who came up with Red and Blue. This is uh, from uh, Wikipedia, but this is in the Tim uh, Russert entry. According to the Washington okay, and they in turn cite the Washington Post. According to the Washington Post, the terms red state and blue state were coined by Tim Russert. This term refers to those states of the United States of America where residents predominantly vote for the Republican or Democratic Party presidential candidates, respectively. It began to emerge in mainstream political discussion following the 2000 presidential election. So we have uh, the late Tim Russert to thank for that. All right, thank you, Tim. All right, his legacy lives on forever. Here's Tim Riley. So let's talk more about the election, shall we? Because that's what's on everyone's mind. Yes, it is, Tim. John McCain goes on Hennedy Combs and said the election is swinging his way. Well, as we pound into this last week, Americans are starting pound. to focus. That's why it's swinging. That's why it's swinging our way. You betcha. McCain says, of course, he's going to disagree with Sarah Palin on occasions because they're both mavericks. Did you expect two mavericks to not to agree on every single thing? I'm so proud of her. Listen, she, she and I share the same principles, the same values, the same vision for America, and I couldn't be more proud of, of, of her and the job she's done. You know, when he talks about Sarah Palin the last few days, doesn't it sound a whole lot like the pre-breakup compliment? Mm-hmm. It's a lot. No, she's, she's a great girl. Great girl. You know, and it's I, not you, it's me. And that, that really is true, by the way. It's not her, it's him. Never never was that phrase more true than in this election. Look, Sarah, it's not you. It's me. Everything about me. Sorry. Uh, but he does have a lot of those compliments coming out of his mouth recently. With things like, well, she's really free thinking. She's got a lot of spunk. I admire her forthrightness on the matters of her own conviction, all of which sound like things that you're saying because you sort of have to compliment her before the inevitable bust-up happens. Because you know that once November 6th or whatever, the 5th comes around, once, when, once the election is over, when, however long that takes, once the election is done, she's going to lose his phone number forever. There's going to be a lot of shots of John McCain sitting at home calling Sarah Palin, and then a lot of shots of Sarah Palin hearing the cell phone ring in her purse, taking it out, seeing Jay McCain, and going, hmm, and just hitting ignore. And it should remove her voice greeting. Totally. So when it does answer, there won't be anything there. It'll just be the number. Oh, recording? It'll just say, the number you've reached, 50732. It's not going to have her voice anywhere. And she is going to augment her own spam folder to just take all of John McCain's messages right there. So... 
Uh, so enjoy the access to Sarah Palin while you got it, friend. That's about to, uh, the curtain's about to come down on that, I think. Cindy McCain says she's very proud of her husband, John McCain. I've never been prouder. Of she is my planning to dump him right now, speaking of dumping. With our son there, and I supported him wholeheartedly. Uh, it was just really, I, I, it was an unusual feeling for me because I was torn in both directions. I'm telling you right now, you mark my words. Within about six months after this election, they're not going to be seen in public together at all. And she's going to have some home in the south of France, and she's going to have some shirtless gardener that comes and hangs out with her a lot. And he'll be living at the guest house. <laughs> I mean, that's because, all, correct me if I'm wrong here, John McCain is a, you know, he's a senator, but isn't most of their money her money? Yeah. I mean, she's like John Kerry before him. Didn't he, you know, the, the whole, the reason John McCain is able to run for president is because he married some crypt keeper looking wife that had a whole bunch of cash on her. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, fun with that. So here's a newest creation back again. Uh, this is Tito the Builder. You've heard Tito talk before. He was a replacement for Joe the Plumber, who's now thinking of running for Congress. Of course he was. So Tito the Builder Ugh. says the media attack on Joe the Plumber is an attack on all Americans. Wait, hold on. So Tito the Builder is defending Joe the Plumber. That's correct. Who is talking about John the Senator. Uh-huh. All right. So Tito the Builder is challenging the press for attacking Joe the Plumber. So now we're supposed to also pay attention to Tito the Builder... Because he said the media attack on Joe is an attack on all Americans. When the media intimidates the person for asking a question, they are attacking the First Amendment of the Constitution, meaning that anybody cannot ask a question anymore because then the scrutiny is going to be like a tyranny or repression against you. There are like four splices in that sentence. <laughs> you know that his name can't be Tito. I, I cannot be Tito. And I couldn't tell. Well, see, I think it probably is. I think it probably is Tito, and he probably is a builder. Because I don't think they're going to be having another one of those where the, you know the Tito and like his real name is uh, his real name is like Myron. They have uh, actively sought out a Tito. Oh, they had, what, is the, what is the like most ethnic sounding name we can find? I bet they worked backward from the premise. I bet they're like we needed Tito the builder, and then there was some uh, Michael J. Fox type on the on the staff who was then tasked with going out and finding a Tito the builder. That would be like my call central casting. Totally, that would be my estimation. So Tito the builder is now coming out against the uh, main media. He is sick and tired of hearing these attacks on Joe the Plumber and expects repercussions from uh, reporters who he expects to come after him. Uh, now, I'm just waiting to see what this main media is going to do to me. Maybe they're going to bring out Bill Richards and calling me a racist. They're going to what? I'm calling him a... I don't know. There, there were like four splices in that sentence. I, I did. I, okay. uh, now, I'm just waiting to see what this main media is going to do to me. Maybe they're going to bring out Bill Richards and calling me a racist. You know what? No, main media. Just, they're going to build bridges on Tito. Can we have Tito one more time? Okay. All right. This we, is why Tito is going to get lost with him. <laughs> because people can't understand what Tito is saying. Uh, now, I'm just waiting to see what this main media is going to do to me. Maybe they're going to bring out Bill Richardson calling Bill me. Bill Richardson. Richardson. They're not building bridges on Tito, just in case anybody thought that was the case. They're Bill Richardson. He's talking about. Mike. I think people are going to forget about Tito within the next week. I think so. I was just going to say, you know what Tito is? Tito is an unsuccessful sitcom spinoff. Mm -hmm. That's what Tito is. Mm -hmm. Sort of like, you know, from the guys who brought you Joe the Plumber. Well, he, he's like, you know, Joni loves Chachi. He, they just jumped the shark one extra time. Comedy has a new address. It's Tito the Plumber. And then they, you know, and then they cut the Tito the Plumber like in, in his living room, going, you know, like um. Uh, you know, like, woman, you will be the death of me. And then his sassy wife says, I keep trying that, but it's not working. Aye, aye. And then they go like this. And then there's like canned laughter and they go to a break. And then the kooky white guy neighbor comes over and goes, hey, what's going on over here, Tito? And then they cancel it. So there you go. Enjoy your uh, 
Two minutes, Tito. Here's Tim Riley. Enough for Tito the plumber. Oh, no, that's Tito the builder. I'm sorry, he's not a plumber. He could be. He may be licensed for all we know. Uh, Michelle Obama spoke to a crowd of 2,500 inside the city auditorium in Colorado Springs, uh, paying attention to veterans who apparently showed up. Many of the beautiful things about Colorado Springs is that it's a community that has given us so much in terms of sacrifice in the military. Um, and we are so grateful. I will. She wears clothes from J. Crew. Is that true? That's what she said. Is that the uh, is that the person? I thought J Crew was for men only. That's what I thought too. Is J Crew oh, no. things for ladies? Yeah, J Crew. I remember I had something J Crew when I was in high school. Mm. All right. So she's wearing old clothes. You know, and that's just a little. <laughs> she's wearing my old hand. You know? <laughs> that's just a little dig though, right there. That I mean, because I mean, the, the, see, every time I want to say something like, "Are you guys finding yourself doing this?" Every time I find myself about to say something like. They're so far ahead, they don't even need to. But then you stop and you think, well, is that really true? Mm-hmm. I was What I was about to say, and then we'll duck back and we'll, we'll give sort of the thought into the thought. I was about to say this. You know, it's like the Obama campaign is so far ahead, they don't even really need to be flogging this issue of Sarah Palin's clothing or the fact that she blew like 50 grand on some stuff she's going to wear once and then give away. That's not what Drudge is saying. What is Drudge saying? Well, it's it's almost running neck and neck. See, that's my thing. So I was gonna my I was gonna make the point that when they when they sort of issue these press releases or they make sure that people know that Michelle Obama is wearing something from J Crew or that or that Barack that he was wearing that jacket the other day in the rain and they pointed out that he got it at like I don't know he got it at like the Gap or something for like fifty bucks. That's just a little piling on. I mean, that's spiking the ball in the end zone. You can appreciate that because it's a little, hey Sarah Palin, Gah! but. And you think, well, why, you know, that's just, they're just doing that for style points because they're so far ahead, they don't even need to do it. But then, I know it's Drudge, and we all know where Drudge's sympathies lie. They lie with, I think, Drudge's sympathies lie with sensationalism and conservatism in that order. And part Rush, and part Sean Hannity. It's it's all part of that same little umbrella. And I don't, and I don't think that Drudge is as partisan as, let's say, Rush or Hannity uh, I don't think he's a partisan as those guys are. I think, you know, he does lean right, but I think even more than that, I think Drudge just likes to stir crap up. I think he just likes to be inflammatory. And he'll bring three or four stories together that aren't necessarily happening today, but have a common theme. Yeah, no, he does that a lot. The juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. The, the Drudge is really an evil master of that kind of stuff. Yes, I mean, he, is. he really has, like, some weird, like, Sith-like ability to juxtapose, as you said, two stories that are not from the same time, and at first blush, might seem to be unrelated, but it is the contextual juxtaposition. So, I remember, well, I almost don't even want to give examples, but but I will say, Drudge, to my memory, has done at least a couple little front page pay stuffs where he will have a story about immigration or the fight for immigration specifically regarding illegal immigration and then you'll have have the story about the illegal immigrant who raped the little girl exactly and then he will juxtapose it with a story about a crime committed by someone believed to be illegal and i you know what maybe it's coincidence maybe it's not but he does do a lot of that weird i would say issue-based juxtaposition where you are obviously supposed to make some sort of connection in your head um and so that all being said, I know it's Drudge, so you take it with a big bucket of salt when he says that Obama's only up by three. But, man, I just – Lauren and I got into a little bit of – not an argument. We had a kind of a debate last night about our exit polls that we do here. And let me just – first of all, I know the exit polls we do aren't scientific at all. I mean, there's no – I'm not going to say they are. I mean, we we just throw up on the phones and we say, look, if you voted for president already in Oregon or wherever, call up and tell us who. You know, we're not going to – we won't pass judgment. We won't 
make fun. We won't criticize. Whatever. Just call up and tell us who you voted for. And we get people from most of them from Oregon, some people from Washington, a few people from uh, like Florida and I think Texas. We've had a couple calls from Texas. And I told Laura that we're running about 65, you know, uh, around 65-35 or sometimes 60-40 Obama, which in Portland especially is closer than I would think. I would think in Portland, just based on the sampling of just this audience, I would think that Obama would be getting like 80% of the vote. And I said that I don't think our poll that we do is, is scientifically accurate, but... Would you think this? What, what do you think about this? Would you agree or disagree with this statement that when we do an exit poll on this show, in other words, we say, if you have already voted, just call up anonymously and tell us who you voted for. Do you think that is at all as accurate as an exit poll that they do outside of a polling place where, again, you're anonymous. They don't really know who you are. You walk out from voting. Some guy from a news station says, hey, do you want to tell us who you voted for? And you either say yes, and then you tell him, or you say no when you walk on by. Would you be, Do you believe that our exit poll is at all as accurate as one of those? Yes. See, and I I'll, thought so, and, too, and, and, and Laura I'll, didn't. I'll tell you why. It would be different if we were on the FM band, but since we're on the AM band, which usually has perhaps older listeners than mm -hmm. FM, right. a lot of younger listeners think the AM band is all about Rush. Right. Right. And a lot of them may be sampling parts of other talk shows and going back and forth with us. Right. Therefore, I would say that it would be fairly accurate. Yeah, see, that was my read, too. And again, I'm not saying that we do the exit poll, that it's as accurate as like a real, actual scientific poll. Mm -hmm. But I think probably, you know, because they do those exit polls the night of the election where there's physical voting stations, where some guy stands there with a clipboard and a microphone, and he goes, hey, I'm uh, Bob from KT KTQB, you know, can I, can I ask you who you voted for? And sometimes they say no, and sometimes they say yes, and he says who, and they go, McCain, and he goes, okay, and he checks it off. We're more or less doing the same thing, so I think it's maybe not accurate, accurate, but I think it's as accurate as, as any exit poll is going to be. And I really am surprised by how close it is and how many votes for McCain. Again, I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying it surprises me. Here's the other thing about that. Sarah made this point after the show yesterday. Just our sampling of the audience. McCain is doing, I think, a lot better than we would think, mm -hmm. than we thought he would. And there is all of this discussion about the so-called Bradley effect and what people will say to a pollster and what they really do when it's the privacy of the whatever. And... And again, I, you know, I'm, re I'm really not trying to make assessments of anybody, but there is this little, there is a conventional wisdom that says that Barack Obama may poll higher than he actually performs due to any number of factors. Some of them is you younger know, voters. Yeah, you know, some of them are younger voters not showing up. Uh, one of those things is the race issue, which may or may not actually come into play. One of those is the effect of negative campaigning, which some people will say they're not affected by, but they are. Some of it is people who believe he's going to win, and so therefore they don't vote. Um, and, you know, just our phone poll is more or less anonymous, but a ballot is absolutely anonymous. So if you figure that maybe that effect it comes into play even a little bit more on the paper ballot, you know, when you're in the privacy of whatever, it is it is really conceivable that this could not be over until Wednesday sometime. I mean, it really is. It is, it is conceivable, maybe not probable, but certainly possible that we're going to be still counting things on Wednesday morning. And it's, oh, uh, it's possible. And when you're talking about the Bradley effect, you have to take boomers into consideration. Although it seems nice that there should be some change in society, they're not quite over the edge where they kind of accept that and they don't want to admit that to themselves. No, I think that's true. I think that's true as well. Because the ages of 40 plus, even though you know their generation goes back, back, back to all these protests right. and everything, 
they did become part of the establishment. No, it's true. And, and as as nice as it might be for society to change, they just can't go over the edge and do that. I think change, uh, typically, in my opinion, change does not happen as abruptly as people like to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that you, it can sort of seem that way sometimes. You go, this whole, so-, and you hear this a lot from different factions of the political spectrum. Well, this whole society is going to hell in a handbasket because blah, 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 insert thing they don't like. Um and so we can sometimes, and I think the media can feed this perception that things change overnight, but I think they don't. They, they as you're right, they change incrementally. Um, I mean, Jesus, that whole stupid, that whole dust up they're having in California right now about the gay marriage thing. Oh, we got that coming oh, up. Oh, God, just a bunch of, just, seriously, just like the bottom. Uh, it, I mean, it, you're not even, scra- you're, you're underneath the barrel uh, with the people who are out there pushing that thing. But... Anyway, so the change ha- does happen very incrementally. You're right. And as much as baby boomers tried to turn over an absolutely new leaf and didn't want to become their parents, I think a lot of them did. Yes. And I do believe that the younger the voter you're dealing with right now, the less that's going to be a factor. I think race is going to be much less a factor for young people, but... But they're too apathetic to, they're to the vote. They're least likely to vote. So this is a question for you. And then, then So we'll, we're getting back to the Kerry thing. Totally. That's what we'll said. Early in the election, young people and college students are all for this. Exactly. Well, as... as it gets down to brass tacks, and we come down to the finish line. Um, they'll let somebody else vote for them. Right. And see, and this, so this is the thing. See, now we're just so deep into this. But you know what? F it. Uh, we're six days from the election. Yes. Next Thursday, we're not going to be talking about this anymore. You know, just as a real side note, it, you know, uh, you know, obviously, Lycus does a lot of the stuff about male-female relations and pop culture and whatever. But I don't know to what extent, you, you know, you guys are, we, we're, you know, we're all sort of in and out here. We're doing stuff after the show. But for the last, I would say, six weeks, at least an hour a day, Lycus has done straight current events, news, politics, and it's fantastic. I mean, it is just... I, the last few days, he's done two and sometimes three hours about all the facets of this. Because you know what? As he said, it's the issues you really care about, and this is what people are talking about. As much as people say they're sick of it, and maybe some of them are, but I think even the people who were sick of it two weeks ago, it's been a bell curve. They were into it, then they got sick of it, now they're into it again because it's next Tuesday, man. It's like the Super Bowl is yes. around the corner. So Lycus has been doing multiple hours on this every day, and it's just been amazing. If you if you if maybe you don't currently listen to Lycus or you haven't listened to Tom in, in a while or you whatever, you really owe it to yourself to be listening to Tom in the afternoon as he talks about this this election. It's just fantastic. Um What was my point? Anyway, so F it, we're gonna I guess we'll just talk about this. Laura and I were having this discussion last night, and I asked her this question on KCMD Portland. What would you rather have? Would you rather have a huge base of people who are supporting you who may or may not vote or a smaller group of people who will vote? A smaller group who will vote. That's the thing, and that's what McCain has. Obama has a whole bunch of people who may or may not ever show up because traditionally they don't. Again, under youth, the under uh, 30 vote has never been more than 17%. Ever, 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 ever. Ever. And you know what? The older you get, the more likely you are to support McCain. But the older you get, the more likely you are to vote. So that's a smaller number of folks McCain has, but they're not going anywhere. And they will show up to vote, every single one of them. But, but here, here's the monkey wrench to be thrown in. A lot of people have lost a huge chunk of their 401ks. Yes, that is true. And they're pissed. Yeah, no, that re- that is really true. And Obama needs to win Florida. And the thing is, Florida is full of older people, retirees, mm-hmm. who have seen their 401ks go down and down and down and down, and they're going to tie that to McCain. So that might there that right there might be enough to seal it for Obama. Um, but and then so just as one sort of side note to this, so we were talking about this last night. Would you rather have a whole bunch of young people who may or may not vote, or would you have rather have a smaller group of old people and you know they're going to vote? 
presumably for McCain, though not necessarily. And and so then I made this observation. And Sarah can probably, you know, Sarah's certainly the youngest person on the show. We're all young in heart, but Sarah's actually young. So we were talking about the youth vote last night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Laura was saying, well, you know what? I really feel like the young voters are energized behind uh, behind Obama this year, and they've really coalesced. You know, they're really going to get out because they don't want John McCain. And you know what? I, what I, here's my question. Look, remember how they didn't show up in 2004, and that's why Kerry lost? And again, I trust him. And I, uh, punks. And I remember John King saying this like it was yesterday. John, John King pointing at the numbers for Bush and then pointing at the percent for Kerry. And John King saying, and as far as the youth vote, the vote that John Kerry was counting on to put him in the White House, uh, Anderson, it simply did not happen. Uh, I remember I remember exactly where I was. I remember where I, I was sitting. That. I remember, it gives me chills thinking about it. I remember, because he just flat out said, he goes, Anderson, it simply did not happen. So my thing is this. If George W. Bush wasn't enough to get college kids out to vote, what is John McCain? John McCain is no George W. Bush. No, regardless of how much Obama tries to paint McCain as George W. Bush, he ain't. John McCain is not George W. Bush. He's not even in the same freaking ballpark as George W. Bush in terms of just flat-out idiocy. So if George W. Bush couldn't motivate young people to vote, how is John McCain going to do that? I mean, that really, and maybe they will, but that's my question. Well, his problem are, are the moderate Republicans. Obviously, he has the base. Yeah. I mean, all the pe- all the people you see up in these Al Jazeera videos, right. all the racists and all, they're always going to have those. Right. Uh, but they're the moderate Republicans who can go either way. Mm-hmm. And it, it could end up in Obama's court. That's what makes this so fascinating, is because there's just, there are just too many facets. I mean, there's just too many variables. You can't even, because again, there's the, McCain has older people, but they've lost money in the 401k. Barack has a lot of young people, but they typically don't vote. But Barack has all this money, but, you know, the electorate is so polarized already. But uh, McCain has all this new money because of Sarah Palin, but she turns a lot of people off. And there's just too much. But there's early voting. Uh, there's just too much to calculate. There's just too many things. Jesus. All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, let's talk about something different here. It looks like Taylor Swift is going plastic. Fans will soon be able to own their own mini version of the young <laughs> singer with a new doll collection. But looking at me. The figurines will range from a pretty and pink doll to a red carpet ready doll. Does it have long hair that I can comb? It might. Okay. The outfits are inspired by the clothing Swift wears in daily life. And one of the dolls will even come with a Swift's trademark bedazzled guitar. The dolls will be available in advance at Swift's new album, Fearless. Oh, they will be available in advance of the new album, Fearless, due in stores November 11th. A Palm Beach County teenager who duped his senile granny. Now, wait a minute. Palm Beach is, uh, where is that at, Tim? Where is it, Tim? Florida FL. Oh, damn it, damn it, damn it. I have my Thanks sound for turned that off for again. Me, Rick. That was awesome. I, I you, really appreciate that. I hate you were dead. Tim Riley. So this teenager who duped his senile granny into making a gangster rap video will get 18 months in juvie after pleading guilty to a charge of elder abuse. The grandmother of 18-year-old Michael Alfinas is seen in the video wearing a black mask, holding a gun, and threatening to shoot, quote, all the pigs. If you're not from Palm Beach County. I'm telling you right now, that's going to be sampled. That's going to be sampled. That's going to turn up like in every mixtape that comes out in that county for the, the rest of the decade. Not so, that I approve of that kind of thing. This teenager was arrested after authorities seized the tape during a routine traffic stop. Now, how would they know? Is this the one with a granny on it? Why would they, during a routine traffic Look, I'm all, you know, we have many listeners who are police, and uh, yeah. I, you know, I support the man. Uh, but uh, during a traffic stop, why would they be? Why would they be taking that from you? 
That is strange, isn't it? Hey, do you ever do this? Do you ever have like aspirin or something or you know whatever, just some some pill? I mean, it is yours that it, you know that you have every right to own because it's either been prescribed or over the counter, but you have it like in a non-pill container, and you're afraid that if you get pulled over, they're gonna think that it's drugs. That happens to me all the time, man. Because I'll get like you know like those weird oblong uh, Tylenol or something, mm-hmm. or I got that um that Trazodone, which is a sleeping pill. You know, but you don't, you know, you keep it in the bottle all the time. Sometimes you stick it in a little pill thing or you, you know, whatever. You have like a little, uh, one of those little, because I am my grandmother, I have one of those little pill minder things to remind me to take it. Um, oh, like with the letters with and the, the days of the week, of the week on, on it? it? Oh, yeah. Um, and so, especially because there was a time when I was trying to be healthy and I was taking vitamins. And so I had the pill minder thing. And I was always afraid the cops would pull me over and they'd be like, what, what's in this pill minder, son? And I'd say, Oh, they're just vitamins. Uh, you know, and then it would just flash forward to me being beaten senseless. I got. I remember I had a cop come to my apartment one time years and years and years and years ago when I lived in Spokane. And, a ter- and to be fair, in a terrible apartment in a bad part of town. I mean, in an awful part of town. I actually met uh, a friend of Lara's the other day who used to live in Spokane. She's like, where'd you live? And I told her, and she goes, oh, sweetie. And she shook her head. Um, this is a true story. I'll make it brief. But uh, one night I went home in my rat hole apartment, knock at the door. I uh, I answer the door and it's the man, Johnny Law is there with his uh, flashlight and he goes and I, and, I, and of course what do you always say? Good evening, officer. Is there a problem? And uh, and he said, I swear to you, he goes, we had a report from a, uh, a report of a woman screaming from inside your apartment. And keep in mind, there was no woman in my apartment. There was no I didn't have a TV even, so there was no woman screaming in my apartment. But I did live in this place that was just filled with hooligans. So it was clearly like from some other guy living there. Um, and it was a studio apartment. It was the size of this, size of our studio here, but I think actually smaller. And he goes, we got a report of a woman screaming in your apartment. Can we come in? And I got nothing to hide. And I, yeah, sure. Come on in. So make your, you know, do, do whatever you want to do. So I step aside and the cops come in and the cops are going through my apartment, which again, doesn't take that long. It's just one big room with their flashlights. They're looking under my bed. They look, I mean, I guess I could have told them like, get a warrant, but I mean, what do I care? So they come in and they're looking through my closet and they're, you know, looking in the, wherever, looking behind my bookcase or something, making sure I have some Jane gum thing back there. And I had a bunch of, um, kids, remember these? I had a bunch of Vibrin, which were just caffeine pills. Um, oh, I remember Vibrin. Yeah. I was best friends with many things. Vibrin, say it. Vibrin? Say it. What? Say it. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm yes. so scared. I was just talking uh, about that with someone this morning. That's hilarious. I was going to wear that shirt, but I couldn't find it. Well, there you go. So I had a bunch of caffeine pills, Vibrant, sitting on, you know, sitting out on my counter or whatever, because I guess I'd... Same thing, I guess I was so thinking... you went to Minithin guy? You were more of a, a Vibrant? Uh, later on. Not at that point. At that okay. point, it was just it was just uh, Vibrant. Uh, but uh, that's, all, that's all we had. Sarah, we didn't have your fancy Minithins then. We had to make it with caffeine Oh, pills yeah, they were so classy. Or cocaine. And so, but, I, but you know, I think I've been putting them in a little pill bottle, so I had all these Vibrant on the counter. And one of the cops is looking in my closet for the screaming girl. And then the other cop, I notice, is over at my kitchen counter. And he has all these caffeine pills. And he's looking at them, and he's got the flashlight right up on them. And then he does that thing that you think you only see in the movies, where he, like, crushes one, and he, like, does the tasting it, you know? And you wait for him to go, like, this is pure H. Yeah, but then he must have realized it was just the living moment. But then you really you think to yourself, like, what if I go to jail for these caffeine pills? So, in any event... So be careful. You never know what the man's going to be looking for when he pulls you over. Here's Tim Riley. Well, with Halloween uh, upon us, you must do everything you can to prevent blindness. That comes to us from the Cleveland Clinic. What? The Cleveland Clinic? I don't have the clown horn anymore. I don't know where it went. How could you not have the clown horn? I think we deleted it. Dropping the ball. Yeah. The Cleveland Clinic warns if you don't protect your eyes on Halloween, you could go blind. I remember when I was uh, training, there was a person who actually put in false eyelashes into their eyes during 
Halloween, but used crazy glue and unfortunately got Halloween ah. into the the actual chemicals in and around the eye, uh, into the eye, and that was a, quite a big irritant. So, I'm going to give the... Uh, uh, my recommendation is to those people who are doing these types of events is to try not to apply things in and around the eye, especially chemicals and compounds that they're not familiar with. I'm going to give you a little caveat here. I'm presuming for the sake of this article it was an adult that used the crazy glue and not a child. That being said, ha-ha. All right, here's Tim Roddy. Yes, the Cleveland Clinic warns even non-prescription contact lenses are illegal and could what? cause... Non-prescription contact lenses are illegal. You could be arrested for them. And they can cause long-term vision problems. You see lots of patients that come in the next day with corneal ulcers and contact-related conjunctivitis, which has really been quite debilitating. That's pink eye, right? You can lose your vision over that long term if you were to use those contact lenses, which are for... Is this like when you get the fake lenses that are like green or black yeah. or something? Mm -hmm. I found oh. some kind of clown horn. <laughs> no. No, that's fail. No. Uh, At least I'm trying over here, Rick. What are you doing? I don't try. Sitting over there and taunting me. There, I've learned to not try in this life. Uh, all right, so don't be jamming, like, off-brand contact lenses from the dollar store into your eyes. That would be bad. Don't affix things to your face with crazy glue. Uh, let's see. Um, any any other advice about preventing blindness? Don't jab yourself in the eye with a stick, I guess. Mm. Oh, okay. So let's go visit these crazy people in California. The opponents of California's Proposition 8, which will amend the state's constitution to, to no longer allow same-sex couples to marry, are at the Los Angeles Mormon Temple in West Los Angeles. Richard Jacobs, with a Courage campaign, says they have a petition signed with about 17,000 people calling on the Mormon Church to cease funding Proposition 8. The issue is that this is a very powerful, very wealthy, secretive organization. Some people would argue it's the wealthiest religious institution in the world. And they have told their members that it is their obligation to strip rights away from people the Mormon Church has positioned this as a culture war. President Prophet Munson in, in uh, Salt Lake City said very clearly that this is the culture war and it is uh, vital for his parishioners to give their money and their time. First of all, I don't think they're parishioners in the Mormon Church. Isn't parishioners, doesn't that come from parish? I guess so. Yeah, they're not parishioners. Uh, that's a minor point. So you know who else is funding this, Tim? I hope it's not Marie Osmond. I'd be disappointed. Would you really? Yes, very Don't much. you think, let me ask you this. Take a good long look at Marie Osmond. Don't you think Marie Osmond probably has any number of gay male friends? Doesn't she seem the oh, type? Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. I would imagine so. I, she seems, and you know what? Well, because she's kind of, isn't she like a, considered a gay icon? I really thought she was. Marie Osmond? Yeah. I think you're thinking of... Uh, no, I'm pretty sure I was well, thinking any of Marie Osmond. Maybe. I, I was, well, see, because I was actually going to be my next point, is that I think it may be a shade too early for her, but I'm thinking in 10 years, I think she could be the new Tammy Faye Baker. That's just, that's just a theory. That's just a, a guess. Um, no, so it, I don't know if it's Marie Osmond. I, I don't think so. I think she's busy being crazy and trying not to uh, trying not to drown her children. Um, what was my point? Oh, so uh, but Lycus again talking about Lycus' show. He did a whole hour on this yesterday. Have you have you heard the commercial that they're running again? Wait, no, it's for Prop Eight, which is against gay marriage. No, where they I do this terrible. It. I mean, it's effective, but they do this terrible little misdirection, this bait and switch thing. Because it, the joke is, it's yes for no and no for yes. Yes on Prop 8 is no on gay marriage. Uh, no on Prop 8 is yes for gay marriage. So it's kind of confusing. You have to sort of vote, you know, it's a counterintuitive. But, there, but, but that's all it is. That's all, that's all it, it pertains to is 
keeping gay marriage legal or not. That's it. That's the extent of it. And I'm not saying it's not a big deal. It is. But, I mean, it's nothing more or less than that. But the ads they're running, uh, the, the ads are a lot of, um, the, the ads are a lot of, you know, they're going to start teaching your children that gay marriage is for them. Which, of course, has nothing to do with it. it has nothing to do, the measure has nothing to do with teaching anybody anything in school. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with schools at all. And as Lycus pointed out, they don't teach marriage in schools now. That's retarded. They don't, at no point in grade school was I taught about, you know, marriage. Um, but that's how these, uh, these bastards are positioning the ads in California. Like, vote yes on Proposition 8 or Measure 8. Or, is it Proposition or Measure? I believe it's Proposition. Vote yes on Proposition 8, or they'll force your child to have a gay marriage in school. I mean, it's just, like, so ludicrous. It's just off the charts. But so the two groups that are uh, most behind this, to no one's surprise, Mormon Church, and my wife and I are both covered here, Mormon Church and Knights of Columbus. Thank you, Catholic Church. There you go. Thanks so much. So there you go. So if you're listening to me in California, I never tell anybody to vote about anything. I mean, because really, who cares? But, I mean, if you live in California, and we got a lot of people who listen to us in California, really, just, come on, be, be a pal. Go help out. You know, help out and vote no on that. Jesus. The Mormon Church itself have been victims of uh, persecution. That is just wrong-headed, uh, particularly for the Mormon religion. That is a new religion. It's only about 150 years old, and, and uh, they've been persecuted all over this country. Moving I'm sorry. Along. I don't know. I was going to say something else about Marie Osmond, but no, wait. Several Utah moviegoers got an eyeful of nudity when they went to see Disney's latest movie. Fans hoping to see the G-rated High School Musical 3 were instead shown the R-rated film Sex Drive. Erin <laughs> Walker says That's her children great. were exposed to extremely vulgar and sexually explicit neighborhood before they realized that they were watching the wrong thing. I just told them to close their eyes, and so I grabbed my kids and I ran. But my, my daughter was <laughs> definitely affected by this, and she said she just felt like she wanted to throw up. Oh, my God, we have to find out what happened in the first five minutes of that movie. The sex drive is that Seth Green movie, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, apparently it's terrible. I mean, you know, teenage, it, it doesn't even look funny. No, it's a bad teenage sex comedy. There are all these people trampling each other running out of the movie. By the way, how perfect <laughs> my eyes. was it in Salt Lake City? Uh, let me look here. How perfect that it happened in Utah following up on that story at the idiot Mormon it says church. It undated. Uh, it is Utah. I, and by the way, when I say idiot Mormon church, I should I, I should take that back. It really is just it really does appear just to be some incredibly zealous wing of the church doing this nutcase, this bigoted crap in California. But how great though that we follow that up with a woman having to quote grab her children and run so that they don't see nudity, and that apparently the nudity is so off-putting in Utah that it makes you want to throw up. That's satisfying. You know, there's a little instant karma, friend. Because just having listened to that, can you play just the first part of that again? Let's see here. Okay, here we go. I just told them to close their eyes, and so I grabbed my kids and I ran. But my my daughter, who's 10, is old enough to be definitely affected by this, and she said she just felt like she wanted to throw up. I'm telling you, that woman's as Mormon as they come. You mark my words. I can, oh, that's ridiculous. I can awesome. spot them. Yeah, she's a, yeah, she's a Molly Mormon to the core. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, my name's Adam. Hello, hi. How's it going? Uh, fantastic. How are you today, Adam? Good, thanks. Um, I just had a real quick comment about the the Mormons and the Knights of Columbus funding this yes. uh, this Proposition Eight. Yeah. I think if they are giving money to a political cause, they should have their tax free status stripped away. Oh no! I'm sign me up, baby. I, you, 
Yeah, you, you put that on a ballot, I'll vote. Even I will tell people to be politically active, put that on that ballot. He's stripping away uh, tax exemption status from religious organizations who then spend about half their time, if not more, engaging in political uh, activity. Yeah, yeah, it's just really frustrating, especially because what the, the, the end of their, you know, the end cause of what they want to do is basically limiting rights for people. Yes. And it, rather than doing something good, they're they're causing harm, whether and, they know it or not. And by the way, uh, lest anybody think that I'm just talking out of my ass here, I mean, I sort of am. But, uh, you know, that's just sort of a generally stated being for me. I can't believe that I'm attempting to reason with people of this mindset, but you would think, you would think that, let's just take, for example, the Mormon church. You would think the Mormon church would understand that maybe you ought to just have a live and let live kind of attitude, huh? Yeah, yeah, considering how they've been persecuted Seriously. over the years. I mean, you know, yeah. it, really, and it is not to minimize that, because the Mormons were, were driven from state to state, and, of course, Joseph Smith was, it, 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 it was, I would, you know, people, the Mormon church will say, I, I hate to use the word, I, I was going to say, the Mormon church will say that he was lynched, and I know that that does have a specific connotation for some people, but he was certainly killed. I mean, he was certainly killed, uh, Unlawfully by a mob. A mob did storm the jail, and you know they, 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 you know they either got the sheriff to look the other way, or the sheriff was in on it, or they paid him off, depending on how you hear the story. And he was killed by a mob. Um, so you know, and they were driven from place to place. The government broke any number of agreements with them. Uh, you know, they have been persecuted in any number of ways. You would think that they would understand. Maybe you ought to just leave people the hell alone and get off their backs. But, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, it's just crazy in 2008 that you yeah. could have people saying that they want less rights for one group and more rights for another. If you took gays and replaced it with, uh, like, a, like blacks or something like that, you would never be able to get away with no, that. No. So. Yeah, I, well, yes, I better, I'm just going to get all wound up if I keep talking. But thank you, yeah. sir. All right, thank uh, you. There you go. And by the way, to echo something that Tom Likas did say yesterday, because he, man, it's like he was only about five minutes into the hour, and he had, Tim will remember this from the 90s in talk radio. There was a certain time. And I know these talk radio shows still exist. We don't choose to do that kind of talk radio anymore because I just I've, I'm sick of it. I've had my fill of it. But you know, in the '90s, especially when it was a lot of issue-oriented and topic-driven talk radio, you would talk about things like gay rights, and there was always like for every talk radio topic, Tim, you would agree with this. Mm-hmm. For every talk radio topic, there are two or three stock kinds of calls you know you're going to get. Always, always, always. Uh, so, you know, like whenever you get the, whenever you talk about capital punishment, there is the liberal who calls up and says, well, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, what people don't realize is that it costs more to incarcerate somebody forever than to execute them, which, you know, is true, but it's like everybody knows you've made the point a billion times. Everybody used to somebody calls up and say, you talk about uh, nuclear power. There will be the guy who calls up and he says, you know, there has never been one documented case of nuclear power killing anybody in the United States in history. And anybody who says differently has just seen Silkwood too many times. So you get that. Talk about gay rights. You will get the following two calls. Somebody will call up and he will say. And it's always a he will say. Rick, you know, it's. Adam and Eve. Not Adam and Steve. This caller always thinks he is the first person to make this joke. This caller is often, but not always, self-loathing. The, the other call you will always get, though, is somebody, and this woman, five minutes into it, 2008, he's still getting these calls. woman calls up like, and she goes, well, Tom, what's next? I mean, are we going to have people uh, m- m- marrying their pets? I mean, is that what you want, Tom? Somebody marrying a horse? And, and Lycus actually just came out, and you know what? He ran right into it, turned into the skid the same way that I, that I will now do. You know what? I don't care. 
I don't care. Marry your goldfish. Just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. And why don't we just agree not to bother anybody else if they don't bother us first, huh? How about that? You know, I don't care. Go marry a tree stump for all I care. Just lower my taxes. You know, just like lower my taxes and let me keep cable TV. That's all I care about. Jesus. Here's Tim Riley. Well, for those of you who say you don't have time to get your flu shots, they found a way around that in Maryland. Just roll down your car window. The Montgomery County Health Department is offering drive-through flu shots at their new clinic. No appointment necessary. Drive up, fill out some paperwork, hold out your arm, and you're done. So you just drive through and a guy jabs you with a needle? Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like this whole yeah, the flu thing. And doesn't that seem like a CSI episode waiting to happen? Well, I don't know. He had a white coat on. I thought he was a doctor. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to give anybody ideas, but, you know. There you go. Here's Tim Riley. Let's do a taser watch. Can we? Yes. All right. Here's your taser watch for Wednesday. Here's Tim Riley with the taser watch. A double. A rookie police officer in Central Florida. No, I'm not going to try. Of course not. Has, Shut up. Has been fired after tasering a teenager and his request during a birthday party where police say adults and teens mingled over alcohol. was all caught on tape. <laughs> Dan Nee Smith lost his job with yeah. the Eustis Police Department in Florida. Well, won't face charges of tasering 15-year-old Taylor Davis in the back. Prosecutors say he could be charged with hosting a party for minors where alcohol is served. The Eustis Police Chief Fred Cobb says 40 to 50 people at this police officer's home in the town of Leesburg were younger than 21. The birthday boy was 19. The police officer admits poor judgment in just using the taser on the 15-year-old boy. Why is it funnier to me that because it was in the back? Mm-hmm. There's something that makes that extra funny. It was like snuck up on, maybe. Look over there. <laughs> Well, at some point during this party, the topic of the taser came up, and the 15-year-old expressed the desire to be tasered. <laughs> so the police officer opted to show him what it was like. Neither Davis or his mother could be reached for comment. Uh, apparently, the uh, victim was seen on a television report laughing about it. Jesus, that's one. The video shows the policeman pulling the weapon to Davis's back and firing. After visible electri- electrical current shoot into the team, he falls forward. Then the police officer holds the taser to his back. He was later observed in a telltale three-prong... Oh, there was a telltale three-prong mark on his back along his spine. That is great. He just got cut up in the moment, apparently. I love the idea that there's a bunch of cops, not just, I mean, not just adults and young people, cops and young people all boozing and tasering each other. Mm-hmm. That is the sort of thing that only happens in that... What is it, the Panhandle State? Wait, what is that state? Florida? Sunshine? Florida. Sunshine State? Sunshine State. Sunshine. Thank you. A lover's quarrel leads to a tasering at a truck stop. This is from Beaver Dam, Ohio. A standoff at a track stop led to a man being tasered in Beaver Dam. The deputy said a Chicago man who was traveling with his girlfriend guarded an argument with her. After they stopped at the Pilot Travel Center, 43-year-old Christopher Reich then locked himself in the cab and threatened to harm himself with a knife. He also covered himself with lighter fluid. Deputies said they tried to take him out of a truck, but he continued to taunt them. The dispute ended when Reich leaned out the window and the deputy hit him with a stun gun. Wait, now if a guy's covered in lighter fluid and you tase him, that seems like uh, instant flambe. Perhaps not in this case, though. That's electricity, right? Hmm? 
If electricity hits lighter fluid, wouldn't it set it ablaze? Oh, wait a Maybe a stun gun is different than a taser gun? No, a stun gun's what Sarah has. Yeah, a stun gun. That's electricity. Well, let's put lighter fluid on somebody and try it. As a kooky morning bit. While we wait and let Edercom do it. Why have we never tasered Richie? Oh, that's what? Right. Why have we never tasered Richie? Because I think CBS Legal would frown on that. Oh. Okay. He's been tasered, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think CBS would not approve of that. Uh, so, well, we'll wait for a morning show to do it, and then we'll talk about it. But um, that's interesting, though. If you're covered in lighter fluid, and then they hit you with a taser, I would think you would go right up. Oh, what do I know? All right, there's your, uh, there's your double taser watch for Wednesday. I'm not even going to open this one. Some, I get these hilarious emails from the Traditional Values Coalition. Oh, I don't get those. Oh, you know, they, I should forward it to you. They're like the they're like the whitest, freakiest looking people ever. Not so much her, but him. He He's terrifying looking, this guy. Um, subject line of the new email from the Traditional Values Coalition, I swear to you, it's just, who groomed Barack Obama? Which I guess is like who killed the Robbins family. All right, here's Tim Riley. Another hit series from the 90s is heading back to television. Wait, don't tell me. It's not... No, okay, now 90210 is already happening. I won't say. So it is, a, it is another hit series from the 90s coming back to TV. Yes. Uh, sitcom or drama? Drama. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, starring or oriented about teens? No. All right. Hit, seri- hit drama series from the 90s, not about teens. Hit series from the 90s, not about teens. Uh, police series. No. Is it a series about what we might call relationships? Yeah. In other words, yeah. uh, okay, in manner of like 90210 sort of? Yes. Melrose Place. Yes. Hey, look at that. There you go. That's, like, that's how you do it, bitches. That was like five guesses. It'll hit the screens next fall. Melrose uh, returns come at the heels of Beverly Hills 90210, a remake which is currently airing on the CW. Well, 90210 hasn't brought in spectacular ratings, the show has helped boost the struggling network. Darren Starr, the creator of both Melrose and 90210, tells TV Guide, does anybody read that? Uh, TV Guide, that it would be fun to bring Melrose back to television. A Utah man named Robert Stanley Kraft tried to attack his stepson with a chainsaw, but it wouldn't work, so he picked up the weed whacker. He later tried to run over his wife. Kraft pled guilty to one count of third-degree felony domestic violence in the presence of a child. Wait, but there's so much not happened. There's so much detail that is is missing here. This is, I mean, any one of these sentences could lead to about a paragraph. So he tried to attack his son with a chainsaw. Wouldn't start. (laughs) Always keep that thing primed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why? Why was he trying to attack his son with a chainsaw? It doesn't say. Oh come on. So then it wouldn't start. So then he picked up a weed whacker. Yes. What did he then do? Apparently, he tried to use it on him. It doesn't say if, if he was successful. Ah, but then it skips to try to run over his wife. Try to run over his wife. But there's no explication to any of these things. No. Ah, oh, okay. We got, I demand a, a more in-depth analysis of this. All right. So uh, he pled guilty to one count of felony domestic violence in the presence of a child. And according to the Salt Lake Tribune, I guess that's where we can find more details, he is now uh, sentenced to serve 18 months probation and must undergo counseling. Oh, well, that's just a slap on it. Slap on it. Man. Well, Utah's a it's a place filled with violent thugs, Tim. So it's a lawless place. Um where did that uh, taser watch happen? 
Do we have that? Do we know that where? happened in Florida? Uh, but where was the actual? Thank you. But what was the actual city or the county or whatever? Does it say? Wasn't the Beaver Dam one? Beaver I don't Dam. Know. No, Beaver Dam is in Ohio. Ah. Oh, so this happened. But I, I heard something like that. Uh, let's see, Central Florida. All right. So there's there's no Eustis, Florida. There's no mention of Beaver in this story. No. All right. Well, then this email, then this joke in this email doesn't work. All I'm right. Pretend that no. Because no, that's fine. I'm just gonna I'm gonna move on. Sometimes you gotta let those uh, gotta let those hard to reach uh, crumbs go. Okay, I got more in the story. If you want to go back to it, is this about the weed whacking? Yeah. All right. Let me. What? So this comes to us from the uh, the Salt Lake City Tribune. Now, is this gonna be one of those stories that I wanted to hear more on, but then it's gonna be un it's gonna be unpleasantly dark. Like the know. kid's gonna be like a month old or something. So this is a little bit longer here. All right. So he's 44 years old. Uh, the judge ordered Kraft to serve a year in jail, but suspended the sentence and placed him on probation for 18 months. He has to undergo counseling. The family dispute started when Kraft slapped his 11-year-old daughter across the face at the family's home in Salt Lake City. The adult son of Kraft's wife then punched Kraft in the face to defend the girl. Good for you. Kraft responded by grabbing a chainsaw to attack. But when he could not get it to start, he allegedly threw it aside and picked up a weed eater. Where are they at that the dad has a weed eater and a chainsaw Say, sitting right Salt there? Salt Lake City. Are they fighting in a tool shed? It is near 800 East and Stratford Avenue South. All right. Well, Salt okay. Lake City. When he couldn't get the weed whacker to start either, he threw it aside and said, You're dead. You're all dead. The stepson left the house with the 11-year-old girl and two other children who witnessed the fracas. The wife reported that Kraft continued raging after the children left the house and began damaging the home with a wooden statue. When he finally left, his wife tried to follow, and that's when Kraft drove up on the sidewalk toward his wife, nearly hitting her with a vehicle according to court documents. And he's getting what for all of this? Probation. All right. And this is, uh, so... But he, a bunch of liberals in that state. You know, well, you know, it, I, here's the thing about Salt Lake. This is just my opinion, having lived there. Salt Lake, you often have this conflict of two warring ideals. One is they're a real law and order community. You know, they really want the man to crack down on everybody. But the other is, I, I think there are large segments of the Utah population that really feel like a man, and it's always the man, feel like the man ought to be ever, uh, able to do whatever he wants in his home to keep order, mm -hmm. however uh, odd his notions of discipline might be. So so the the kid who punched the dad in the face is the adult stepson but he is the brother of the sister that was hit by the dad yes so let me understand this just so i can recap it did end up being less amusing than i thought but i'm glad you read it anyway so the dad hits the sister the brother tries to defend her mm -hmm. the dad then tries to go after that kid with a chainsaw that didn't work tries to go after the kid with a weed whacker that doesn't work and then gets his car and drives up on the sidewalk to try to run them over mm -hmm. and has now been given 18 months probation mm -hmm. well the only thing good about this story is that he will serve this 18 months probation. He will undoubtedly do something like this again. And the stepson, who I think will have had enough by then of seeing his sister get smacked around and perhaps himself being smacked around, will do what needs to be done. So that's all I'm saying. There's a... What is Richie saying? I don't know. What? Um... What? Are you serious? Yeah. What? what? Oh, my God. Everywhere. What? I had an Adwala, like, juice bottle mm -hmm. in my car that I'd left it. I think I got it the night before last. Yeah. It exploded. It's all, all How could it have exploded? It, it, didn't, possibly... it didn't reach freezing last night. It's everywhere. How did it didn't? It wasn't. I just moved my car, like, at 10. I think the rat did it. 
It didn't. It didn't freeze though last night. It's all the way on the right side. It exploded all the way to the left. And it wasn't. And it wasn't like that this morning. No, I just moved my car. No, I moved my car like 10:45. Would heat have caused that? Could heat make an odd water bottle? Odd water bottle explode? I don't know. Everywhere. I mean, it's. Did you like sit on it or anything? It would just. Look at my butt. Look at my butt. Look at it now. Can we take a break? Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, hey, Not Paul. Look at Richie's butt. And real quickly here, uh, Paul, I see you there. We have Paul, the police officer. He's going to speak to the stun gun tasering lighter fluid issue. Okay. So, Paul, uh, stay right there, sir. We'll get back to you uh, in just a moment. It's 503-733-2970. Don't go anywhere. It's a Rick Emerson radio program. Sincerely. Hold on. Let me make a little note of my matrix about something. All right. There we go. Home of the world's finest bumper music, the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. We'll continue with the news in a moment. Mr. Skin coming up. Uh, We have a police officer here who's going to explain the taser lighter fluid non-combusting thing. Uh, Let's see. I say Mr. Skin again. More news. Uh, later on, we'll uh, count down the top five rock songs from a horror film and uh, some other stuff. Uh, lots of other stuff to get. Oh, by the way, I should have mentioned this early, but uh, earlier. Don't forget, one random on-air caller today wins a copy of The Incredible Hulk on DVD, featuring an all-star cast, including Academy Award nominees Ed Norton and Tim Roth. Uh, the Incredible Hulk uh, on DVD now. Uh, also, one pair of tickets to see The Exorcist on the big screen. All part of Horror Fest. Mondays at Broadway Regal Cinemas, 1000 Southwest Broadway, Portland, Oregon. And by the way, just real quickly, each week we're going to be doing tickets to a different classic horror film on the big screen. Last week, Friday the 13th. This week, The Exorcist. Maybe The Shining or something next week? Anyway. Um, let's, let's quickly talk to this police officer, and then we'll talk about what just happened to Sarah during the break. Uh, hello. Hi there. Hello there. Hey, who's this? It's Paul. Hey, Paul. What do you got for me, sir? Well... Uh, my understanding with the taser, and I've shot it a couple times, and it wouldn't create a spark because once the probes go into your skin, even if there's light of fluid on, there's going to be no arc to create a spark to combust the lighter fluid. So it requires, see, and I, I know almost electricity is just fascinating and mysterious to me. So it doesn't, it takes an arc to, to catch this on fire, even though, correct me if I'm wrong, if you're tasering a guy and I touch the guy, it's going to shock me too, right? No. Really? No. You. It only. It only sends current between the probes. Oh. Oh. Okay. That. Okay. That makes sense. It completes the circuit like some sort of internal Jacob's ladder. Correct. And so ah. once that circuit is completed, if there's no spark and there's not because the probes wow. stick into your skin. Okay. That. No... That, that actually. Okay. That does make a lot of sense then. Okay. Actually, see now I'm a little smarter than I was before. All right. Excellent. All right. Thank you, sir. Best show ever. All right. Thank you for listening. Be safe. All right. There you go. That is uh, Paul, the police officer. All right. It's 503-733-2970. All right. So here's what just happened. Let me just recap. As we ended the last segment, Tim was telling the story about this uh, kid who, in the opinion of this journalist, uh, gave his dad, uh, I think, the beating that the dad probably deserved for uh, because the dad was, in turn, beating up on the, on the sister. And the dad got 18 months probation. And the only good thing about that is the dad will undoubtedly come back home and he'll resume beating on the sister and the son will just decide to uh, to deal with things as they ought to be dealt with. 
uh, and uh, we, you know, so there you go. So there, so that'll work itself out. As we were finishing this up, Richie came into the studio and goes, "Is all over? on your car, she's sticky." And I was like, well, "What the hell?" So, so we went out during the break. So, so what? You had a bottle of Odwalla, like a superfood beverage? Yes, it was like a. Um, to be fair, I don't, I don't remember. It's not the Odwalla brand. It's the brand from um, from Fred Meyer, but it's basically the exact yeah, same right. thing. And it it's, exploded. It exploded. There's green slime everywhere in your front seat. Of course, it was the dark green, thick superfood one that I uh, happened to leave in my car. It is everywhere, and it smells. It looks like baby vomit. It does look like baby it's vomit. It's all over. I saw it's on the dashboard. It's on your seat. It's on the floor, the passenger seat, the windows. Aye. And so we have How this. How could that even be possible? Uh, because it wasn't. It didn't freeze last mm-hmm. night. And see, it, it was sitting. It was. It was fine a little before eleven. Right. No. 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 I. I understand this. I, no, no, I know you're not talking about no, but I'm saying that's what I'm saying too. It's like, it's, you know, like three hours ago, my car wasn't covered in crap. Yeah. <laughs> no, and because and, and the reason I said it is because I for a while I was speculating somebody had broken into your car, uh, and so it did a, because it, it's positioned between it's upright between the passenger seat and the passenger door, I and I shot. Well, I and I see, and I thought my guess was someone had gotten into your car because there's homeless guys on the back lot all the time. They got in your car, and then when they when it when it shut somehow. Somehow the bottle got caught between the door and the seat, and the lid popped off. But then I got this, Rick, about Adwala or similar. So that stuff ferments quickly. If it's not refrigerated, it creates hippie gas and expands, then explodes. Here's another one. Oh, great. Thanks, hippie gas. Uh, Rick, about Adwala, uh, Adwala, those need to be kept refrigerated. They will explode as the vegetables release gases as who, they warm. Who can sell exploding drinks? Like, it, does it say that it explodes on the front? I've never noticed, and I've drank uh, quite a bit of Adwala. That would be an interesting warning. Sounds like something invented by the Red Chinese. Rick, I had a jug of orange juice I left in my room with about one-eighth of the juice left, and the thing blew up and scared the daylights out of me. Same thing happens uh, with hummus from Trader Joe's. Leave one of those out in room temperature with the lid closed. It'll begin expanding until it explodes. Really? And then he says, Q Dexter Holland, you got to keep them refrigerated. And Dexter Holland. Uh, so there you go. So apparently those explode, Sarah. Wow, thanks, Rick. <laughs> I cannot believe, but they need to have, I need to go get that bottle and see if it see, there's a warning on it. Honestly, it smells in there. Great. So now I'm going to have to spend all afternoon cleaning my car. Hold on. I'm going to take a nice, uh, refreshing swig of non-explosive Viso. <sighs> Friends, let me talk to you about Viso. That sounds refreshing. It is refreshing, Tim, and it's non-lethal. Delightfully so. You can find out more about Viso. It's D-R-I-N-K-V-I-S-O.com. Drinkviso.com. Uh, myself, uh, I'm drinking Viso uh, Vigor today, Viso Energy. 100% of your vitamins, minerals, got calcium, potassium. It's naturally sweet. A lot of caffeine in this one, too. Not going to lie. I Three. just finished a Strocky that has no caffeine as well. See, and that's the great thing. Either end of the caffeine spectrum. This one, oh, a lot of caffeine. That one, no caffeine at all, but they're both equally good. They're all either naturally sweetened or uh, sugar-free. And again, they're all natural, made in small batches right here in Portland. Oh, did I mention they won't explode and uh, stain the inside of your car? You know, just FYI. So uh, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, drinkviso.com. Viso's more of everything good. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Wow, so that could have happened when you were driving. Oh, that, so that would have been bad. Sucked. That's oh. true. Because I just missed it by a couple hours. Wow. I'm on my way to that big date. I want to make the <laughs> on... best impression possible. Headed to the job interview. Uh, I'd like to apologize for being covered by green slime. Oh, that would have happened every day. You know what would have been made, made that it better? That would have been awful. If it had been happened during a date, that would have uh-huh. been even better. Where should we go now, honey? <laughs> <laughs>
That's great. <laughs> well, okay, I am grateful for small things. Yeah. All right, here's Tim Riley. Oh, so are we going to deal with that uh, taser thing, or... What? Are we done with that? Oh, no, we had a police officer who cleared that up for us. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't listening. Well, a Wisconsin woman is accused of tying up her husband in plastic wrap, whacking him with a dumbbell, and then telling him she lost all his money at a casino. <laughs> Valentina Granada uh, told the circuit court that her husband allowed her to tie him up for sex, but instead she used the opportunity to tell him that she lost nearly $1,000 at a casino. That's pretty clever. That's sort of like breaking up in a public place so they don't make a scene, but instead you just tie him up so he can't hit you. She then smacked him with a dumbbell in the head a few times to quiet him down when he started yelling. <laughs> but she said she wasn't trying to kill him. She was trying to inform him. <laughs> oh, that board was almost covered with water. I can't. Look, if you don't shut up, I can't tell you. Pack it. Pipe down. Once again, she wasn't trying to kill him. She was trying to inform him. Uh-huh. She's charged with attempted homicide, strangulation, and suffocation, as well as battery. Well done. I mean, you know, you shouldn't do that. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 Hi, it's you. Hey, this is uh, Steve. I'd like to weigh in on this uh, taser stun gun light fluid issue yes. if I can. Uh, the police officer was correct about the probe, but if it was a stun gun, stun guns actually do make a spark. However, lighter fluid evaporates so fast there wouldn't be any actual fuel left night. All right. So, yeah, so the taser is internal. The stun gun is external with a spark, but it's sort of moot because the uh, lighter fluid would already have evaporated for the most part. Yeah, you got to have right fuel to oxygen to heat source mixture. And without it all being just right, you can even put a match to gasoline and just get a little flame, not a big... I know. Uh, not that we're encouraging people to do that as a hobby. Absolutely. No. We don't play with fire. No. All right. Excellent. Thank you for the clarification, sir. All right. All right. There you go. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey. Uh, actually, a couple of things, I guess. Uh, the stun gun won't do a spark if it's actually touching bare skin. Okay. So they said he was touching his arm. But the Odwalla stuff, the good and bad thing of it is it's made with real fruit juice. So there's no preservatives in it, and it's starting to ferment. Yeah, so that's the thing. And probably the no preservatives, preservatives, it ferments really quickly. Exactly. Right, and like the Viso uses natural stuff, but it doesn't have the fruit juice. Ah. All right, so, so that's that would explain it then. There you go. All right, thank mm. you. I really am grateful that I wasn't in the car, though. You know what? I'm mad about the car, but I can clean it. At least I don't have to clean it off of me. I got to tell you, here's an the... explosion of flavor. I... I'm not wishing that it had happened to you, but I am saying you know that that's a thing that about two weeks later would have been hilarious. Oh, it would have been hilarious. Not so much when it happened. But I'm thinking of the other things that I've used, that I've taken my car out to do. I'm just like, if I would have showed up covered in stinky, rotting, like, fruit... Ugh. Well, to be and, and you know, and to be fair, I'm glad it didn't happen while you were driving because that could be dangerous. But I, my first thought was maybe the rat shook it up and it exploded. See, and I was convinced that some transient had gotten into the car and had somehow been rough, rummaging around and moved the bottle down to the door frame. And then when he shut the door, it just squeezed it and went everywhere. Mm-hmm. That was my thought. This I never would have guessed that it just went you know ferment, 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 bam. So, which is sort of amusing. Here's Tim Riley. We'll talk to Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com here in a few. A man is accused of trying to hurt his neighbor with a dangerous weapon, centipedes. This uh, fellow has been charged with attempting to cause harm with a dangerous weapon after allegedly unleashing four centipedes and bugs into his neighbor's bed. Following an argument, he climbed on the roof to enter the neighbor's house. 
He pled not guilty. It is not clear what species the centipedes were. They Some were the, species are poisonous. They were evil, Tim. He faces uh, three years in prison and a caning. Really? Yeah. Wait, where did this happen? Malaysia. Oh, I guess I assumed it was in Florida, just because, you know, why not? Well, it's, it's similar. Uh, Malaysia. Is Malaysia like Singapore? No, they're two different places, aren't they're they? They're two different places. All right. Because that's where that little bastard Michael Fay got caned was in Singapore. Mm -hmm. Do one more, and then we'll talk to Mr. Skin. From Boston comes word, Senator Diane Wilkerson is being charged with accepting $23,500 in bribes, including $10,000 to fund her writing campaign next week. She has been freed on $50,000 unsecured bond. Uh, this, after an FBI affidavit, includes a series of still photographs and video recordings showing Wilkerson accepting money from undercover agents Excellent. and stuffing the cash into her bra. Well done. Public service is a privilege, and voters and taxpayers expect that selected officials do what's right by the constituents, not what is financially best for themselves, says the attorney. Uh, this woman has not yet entered a plea. She faces 20 years in prison and $250,000 in fines. So I have a photo of her stuffing money into her Does it bra. seem like there should be a pun there somewhere? Let's see. Hold on. I can't tell if she's attractive or if she's otherwise uh, well endowed. All right. Well, in any event. All right. Uh, it more... was $1,000 in cash. Really? Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's in like hundreds or... Um, all right, more on news here in just a moment. Uh, speaking of braziers and the contents uh, thereof, let's uh, talk to our good friend Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database. Hello, sir. Hey, Rick. How's it going? Uh, it's going very well. Before we uh, get underway, I have a question for you. Sure. Do you recall, and I don't think I could have hallucinated this whole thing, do you recall some time back Scarlett Johansson saying if Barack Obama won the election, she'd pose nude? I don't remember that exact quote. I had a listener mention it, and I think... Unless the listener just heard me say it and I somehow made it up, I think it is possible that Scarlett Johansson made an, did an interview where she said she'd do nudity if Barack Obama won. I think she said that at some well, point. Well, here's the thing, though. The only reason I don't think she said it, because if she did, it would have been a landslide. And I don't think it's going to yes, be a landslide. I suppose. <laughs> All right. Uh, what, anyway. is up? what is up, sir? Well, you know, last night I was uh, I was at Google just messing around and looking at the most searched people at Google, and it struck me it's the number one most searched of anything, any item on Google uh, last night was Joan Holloway. Yeah. If you're a fan of uh, Mad Men, you'll know what was going on. It's uh, Christina Hendricks plays Joan, the office manager on Mad Men, and she's an old school body. It's a more voluptuous, more say a Marilyn Monroe looking uh, girl than say that you know a, a real skinny, flat chested uh, uh, girl with fake boobs or something like that. Uh, but uh, she is very popular right now, and I know guys are wondering if she's ever done a nude scene. Well, she has yet to unveil them, which is a little sad though. She was on a TV show back in 2002 called Firefly, and she. It had a scene where she was topless, though her back was to the camera, but you could tell uh, in some of the shots how great she would look naked if she just would have turned another quarter uh, quarter inch. It would have been great. But anyway, she's very popular right now. If you're a fan of the show, you know what I'm talking about. But check out Christina Hendricks. And, and just real quickly on that Firefly thing, here's the great, uh, the great thing about that episode is that if you've seen that episode of Firefly, she spends about the first 20 minutes of the show 
wearing literally like a gunny sack. It's like yep. a burlap bag because yep, she's. You're right. It's like a bluish bag. And right. then she just, and then all of a sudden she takes off. You're like, whoa, hello there. And I know. Yeah, it's sort of a secret. Uh, it's like a uh, little bit of a. It's like a surprise in the uh, Cracker Jacks there. Well, yeah, no. but it's uh, she's ridiculous, and I I could see why she's so searched. Now, um, uh, in theaters this weekend, Zach and Mary make a porno is out starring Seth Rogen of Knocked Up Fame and Elizabeth Banks. And uh, there is a ton of nudity. Now, it's not going to be any big names. Elizabeth Banks doesn't get naked. You're not going to uh, know the people. Though Katie Morgan, who's a porn star, does uh, bare her breasts at the 53-minute mark. But you will. it's actually a very funny movie and a ton of nudity. So check out Zach and Mary Make a Porno. That's in theaters this weekend. Also, Rick, you'll get a kick out of this beat. 30th anniversary edition of Animal House is out on DVD uh, this week. Can you believe it's been 30 years since I'm Animal really, House came out? Really old is what yeah, I Yeah, I know. And I remember going to see that in the theater. And, uh, uh, you know, there was obviously a lot of nudity in Animal House. My favorite scene was 39 minutes in when Mary Louise Weller is in the window and John Belushi sure. is on the ladder. Funny scene. We got some great uh, inside skin information on that. We interviewed Chris Miller, who is one of the writers, Doug Kenny and Harold Ramis were the other writers. Uh, for this uh, movie, and he said that Mary Louise Weller had fake breasts. She was one of the first actresses with, uh, um, you know, phony fun bags. And and what's funny is when I see nude scenes from the 70s, I mean, this was 1978, I just assume it's they're her real breasts right, because, right. you know, who had fake breasts back then? But he pointed out uh, 100%, and if you watch the scene again, there was no movement at all. So uh, Chris Miller was right, and it's the, my first known Actress fake breast scene in movie history was uh, Mary Louise Weller in Animal House. Excellent. All right, my friend, as always, we will talk to you next week. Thank you, sir. All right, see you, Rick. All right, there you go. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Wonderful. Here's Tim Riley on KCMD Portland. Oh, here's something bad that can only get worse. Uh, Logging truck accidents. This time, uh, it hit an electric car. Wow. In Springfield. The driver was 84 years old, apparently had his directions on for a long time, and somebody was confused somewhere. So uh, they cut the guy out of his car. Just a little electric car. Dead? No, he's still alive. All right. uh, but Jesus. Yeah, it's an electric car. Let's see. He owns a retirement community. He said his favorite hobby is driving his electric car, a 2005 Gem electric car. So the lightning truck hit him, and uh, it is legal to drive an electric car on Oregon roads. Now that's it. Is that, is it looks, looks real tiny, though. Yeah, it's really yeah. small. You know, I, look, I don't want to be hit by a logging truck in anything. Uh, but, you know, if I'm going to be hit by a logging driver, it's all the same to you. I'll be driving a big Buick. Uh, you just put me put me right in there. All right. Well, if you're worried that you're not going to be able to see Donnie and Marie's new variety show at the Flamingo in Vegas before it wraps up at the end of the year, good news. The Osmonds are extending their stay for two years. Really? I'm there. Where are they at? The They're Flamingo? At Flamingo. I am totally there. They perform all their classics and put on a variety show much like their 1970s TV show. Excellent. Donnie Marie's Vegas show is family-friendly, runs about 90 minutes. Tickets range from 85 to $250. The but floor is 85 yeah. That's the lowest ticket? That doesn't matter. I'll pay it. I'll totally go see that. Mm -hmm. uh, Elvis Presley is again at the top of Forbes' top-earning dead celebrities. Elvis made $52 million last year. How is that possible? People I mean, I love this crap. But I mean... <laughs> No, I'm not talking about the show, Tim. I'm talking about Elvis. <laughs> Butt slammed. Uh, so, no, no, no. I mean, look, Elvis, you know, obviously an icon, whatever. But don't you think, I mean, isn't Elvis's, isn't that audience dying out? You know what I mean? I mean well, they, they have children, and they bring them into the loop. But do you think younger people are really... Like, do you think that there's a new generation out there right now of Elvis fans? You bet. Sample any trailer park. 
You think? I mean, I, I would think absolutely. That it, and plus, all like the rockabilly kids and stuff have all kinds of Elvis paraphernalia. And if you factor in car shows, oh, well, that's true. As well, I mean, there's a huge following. Uh, you know, just like with Coca-Cola. I guess that makes sense. I, I guess I thought that he would be viewed as just terminally unhip, even by even by young people. Speak of unhip, Albert Einstein, eighteen million dollars. How did that? But how? I don't know. It must be some sort of memorabilia. Okay. Well, all right. And what would they be selling by Albert Einstein? I have no idea. How many times can you see that stupid thing of him sticking out his tongue? Okay. Mm-hmm. I understand. Great. Uh, I mean, I, guess, I know they used, like, Apple used his image for a while. They were doing that Think Different campaign or whatever. It was like Gandhi and Jesus and <laughs> whoever, like, somebody. It was like Jesus using an iPhone or something. You know, but I think Albert Einstein was one of those guys. But $18 million? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, John Lennon didn't make that much last year. His income fell by $35 million. Well, clearly, uh, Yoko will have to whore his image out to some other uh, shoddily produced merchandise. Andy, Get on that now. Andy Warhol made $6 million less this year compared to last year. Is Kurt Cobain on the list? No. Because, you know, the, the, the Courtney Love has started just, I mean, after you know, they all do the same thing. For like a year after everybody's dead, they're like, no, 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 we're going to preserve his memory. We won't be whoring him out. Shoes? Okay. Because they now have those shoes that have Kurt Cobain's poetry mm-hmm. written on the side from his journals. Are they Nike? I don't know, actually. I think they might be Converse, but I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. I think Converse is owned by Nike at this point. Is oh, that yeah, true? That is true. Oh, that would explain why everything's suddenly being made in China. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's do uh, like one more here, and then we'll take a break. One more. Iraqi officials have made several amendments to a hard-fought deal that would allow the U.S. to stay in Iraq after the United Nations mandate expires in December. Who's making the rules here, anyway? Last week, the U.S. military and State Department were treating it as a done deal, but not all the Iraqi politicians are happy with the wording. Iraq said the amendments are mainly intended to remove ambiguities and don't alter the primary section that gives Iraq the power to try U.S. troops for serious crimes. I suppose the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad said the challenges are uh, very challenging and we will look into them. The challenges are very challenging. Yes. All right. I'm unclear about whether... I almost don't want to say this is going to trigger a whole another long discussion, but are we, are we leaving or not? I can't seem to figure that out. Or maybe it depends on the election. Only after we win. <laughs> Any day now. I don't know what the scoreboard is right now. If we're winning, tying, or... I I will say this. My one final comment. We'll talk more about the election probably a little bit next hour, and then obviously in the coming days. All looking forward to the Rick Emerson Show's political party. Happening next Tuesday, uh, November 4th, 7 p.m., Grants of the Parole, 8th and Morrison in southeast Portland, along with our partners, Willamette Week and the Oregon Bus Project, uh, along with our uh, sponsors, Powell's Books at Cedar Hills Crossing and the Taboo Adult Video. I will say this. Barack Obama wins. Uh, I mean... I mean, I don't know if anybody's actually going to hold him to this business about leaving Iraq or not. But, I mean, you got to figure there's a number of people who, like, if he wins, are going to be looking looking at their watch and going, okay, let's, let's, let's be the leaving, you know. So I'll be curious to see how that plays out. We will come back after this with uh, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, who's going to uh, live the rest of his life in Philadelphia, I guess. Uh, top five coming up as well. More from Tim Riley and uh, your phone call. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. Coming up this hour, top five rock songs from a horror film. More from Tim Riley. We'll do uh, today's exit poll. Dr. Steve Kastenbaum here in a second. Oh, so um, real quickly here before we uh, before we do this, I-, I teased this like three hours ago and I-, I forgot to get to it. So you go to uh, 
You go to rickemerson.com, you can see this photograph. I was talking about how I saw the, uh, the hottest, trashiest girl on CNN last night. It is, in fact, John McCain's daughter, Megan, Megan McCain. Um, so I put a photo up of her. She? She's 21, Sarah. <laughs> Are you sure, Rick? She's 22, actually. She's above the age of majority. And it's on I, your website? I was worried about that. Uh, there's a photo of Megan McCain at rickemerson.com. This is, I guess, like her official MySpace or press photo or whatever the hell. Um, so this photo... Oh, my God. She looks like a skank. That's Sarah Dillon who said I'm that. Sorry, look at those boobs. They're fake. They're totally fake. Well, How could those not be fake? Those are fake. I would have to inspect further to know, Sarah. Is she holding a beer and a laptop with her big fake boobs? She's... Wow. Uh, you channeling Anderson Cooper? No, you're totally right. She's... Here's the thing, and then we'll talk to Steve, so I know Steve... I've got to look her up. I know Steve wants any respite possible from being in Philadelphia, but she was on CNN last night. Uh, it was her standing next to Linda Ramone, who is Johnny Ramone's widow, and obviously Johnny Ramone is a lifelong Republican. Everybody knows that. And so Linda Ramone is out there saying Johnny would have wanted you to vote for John McCain, whatever. But it's it's the weirdest thing. I turn on the TV, and I'm like, who's that? Who's that? And the one, the woman on the left is Linda Ramone, Johnny Ramone's widow, and so that's weird. But then I'm just distracted by this trashy, hot blonde... Picture this girl, Megan McCain, except last night she had that raccoon makeup, you know, where it's like the black. But it's not just black eyeliner. It's like black all around. So she had the full on. I wish I could find a screen capture of it. Oh, darn it. Her my sister's profile is private. Uh, my she, father would make a faithful leader for this country. It's our job to allow him to do that. Yeah. No, she had the full on tramp makeup last night. And it was uh, it was exceptional. She looks like a dirty girl. Yes, she does. Yeah. Carol, let's welcome down to the Rick Emerson show. From the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, PA, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Uh, this is Jim Roop. Whoa, what the hell? I don't know. Oh, it's supposed to be Steve. It what? is? I'm sorry, you know, can I just tell you, there's been, um... One of those days? And I, and I just perpetuated the crap, didn't I? You know what? Don't worry about it. Uh, and it, we, you are always welcome. We're always glad to talk to you. It's uh, not disappointment, just confusion. There's been, there, there were some logistical, um, flummoxes uh, with CNN this morning. So, you know what? Doesn't matter. We are glad to have you, sir. But I'm going to look at my. Uh... You know what? It's. Uh, I ser- hope I didn't call at the wrong time. No, no, no. It is. Trust me. When I, how do I put this? There's three components to this. There's you, us, and there's CNN. The fault is not with you or us. I was just reviewing Sarah's notes and Sarah's communication with CNN via email, and the fault is not with you, Jim, and the fault is not with us. Let's put it that way. Mm. So we'll uh, we'll move on. Um. Any anywho. Do you want to talk about the World Series? <laughs> yeah. uh, just as a side note here, so it, we will actually talk about, I know you, you're talking about some of this, this this Sarah Palin thing that happened in California, so we'll get to that in a second. Here's a little side note. So I was talking to, um, I was talking to Steve yesterday because he's in Philadelphia, and you know, he just, he's been there for what I think just feels like an eternity. Cause this well, world... I just want to say one thing. Yeah. My note says 5.03 p.m. Eastern Time to call you. So that's two oh three. That is uh, that is in fact our that is in fact this was, time. So. I just wanted to I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't me. No no no, it's not you. It really isn't. No 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 no. It's it's a little confusing. And I, there's someone filling in for Tyler today. Oh, uh, there's someone yeah. who I think is not uh, doesn't do that job a lot. The guest booking, uh, and so I was just reviewing Sarah's. Uh, Sarah just showed me her email because she does this. She books sometimes via email with CNN, and uh, somewhere between Sarah sending the email and you. Being told what to do, there was a little bit of a mix-up in Atlanta. Let's put it that way. So I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. I don't think that's ever happened before. No, no, there, uh, no efficiency <laughs> is job one there, sir. Yes, indeed. Um, anyway, so but I was talking to Steve yesterday. You know, he's in Philadelphia, and it's just like he's been there forever and ever. Like this World Series just won't end. It's just like this 
I, I mean, it, it, it's like you're stuck in some sort of weird Kafka-esque fever dream. Where it's like well, see, Kafka- I'm such a baseball fan. I would love it. Well, I, would, I would really be – I would enjoy it. Having all that. That is the difference between you and Steve, I think. Because every day he talks to me and he's just like, man, it's like I'm talking to you is just a small ray of sunshine. I'm never going to get out of here. This sucks. And I made, uh, I told him yesterday that I said, that is sort of, he right now sounds like when you were in Vegas for the OJ trial. <laughs> He and I should trade places. Seriously, I told him, I'm like, you know, it's like talking to Roop, because every time I talk to Roop, Roop is just like, I'm in a tedious, endless hell here in Nevada. Um, it's never going to get, it's never going to be over. Kill me. And that's, I mean, that's kind of, he's in that mode right now. So, yeah, if only you could magically switch brains or places with him, like Star Trek style or something. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, we've been, well, so it, it is sort of fortuitous that you're here, because we were just talking We've been talking sort of all week long, obviously, like everybody. But just during this last break, we were talking about how there's this all of this weird uh, tension. And then it has been for a few weeks because of the economy and everything. But I was saying that the interest in the election is sort of like a bell curve. Everybody was really into it when, you know, the primaries were happening and then Obama was the candidate and, you know, whatever, and the conventions and Palin. Then everybody kind of got sick of it. But now everybody's, I think, getting cranked back up for it again because it's like the finish line is almost here. It's like, you know, like leading up to the Super Bowl. Like you are, you know, as you said, it's a closing argument. Uh, we, we are about to head into this, the final stage of this. And there's all of this strangeness in the air. that these idiot, you know, these, these jackasses who got busted for trying to put together some half-baked uh, plot to, to kill Obama or whoever, these morons. So there's that. And then now there's this thing with, correct me if I'm wrong, it's it's some sort of display where it's Sarah Palin hanging from a noose. Yes, it's the it's the display in West Hollywood. Uh huh. Um, and it's gotten weirder because there are a bunch of neighbors now with poles and sheets hanging from it, standing outside this guy's house to try and keep people from seeing it right. because it's making their neighborhood, I guess, infamous, like giving it a bad reputation or uh-huh. whatever. So what is the what is the I mean what is the deal with that Does it, you know why is it there is it is guy Well you know this guy and his partner in West Hollywood they every year they decorate their home for Halloween it's usually a big deal Right And this year they were going through their props they tell us and they thought you know it's a political year let's combine the political year with Halloween and make it a political theme little political twist well a little more twisted than I think people would like because they took a mannequin, a life-size mannequin, dressed it in a red business suit, beehive wig, glasses, and they hung it by a noose outside the house. Above that, John McCain, or a, a mannequin with a John McCain mask, emerging from the chimney, surrounded by flames. Uh. So, a uh, big uproar by several people, only because the sheriff's department received some 60 phone calls uh, people saying that's a hate crime, that's a hate crime, that's a hate crime. So they're doing some investigation. Even the Secret Service got involved. Well, I'm going to say, it's not to me, it's not not even, I'm not saying it is or it isn't, it's not even really a hate crime. You, you don't want to screw with the Secret Service on that. No, you, you don't want to but do... the Secret Service said, you know, we don't, we, it's kind of harmless. We don't, we don't see it as a threat, so we're just going to leave it alone. And that's it. The County Board of Supervisors trying to get the guy to take it down. Uh, some other folks are trying to get the guy to take it down. I mean, it's one more day, really, you know. Right. Um, but the, the biggest the biggest issue, and in talking, and I was out there the other day looking at it, the biggest issue people tell me, even those who say, ah, it's no big deal, leave it up. I know what you're about to say. Go yeah. ahead. 
What if Barack Obama yeah. was hanging there? Right, exactly. What if I some, mean, it would be it if, would be bad news. If a guy had a yeah. Halloween decoration, it was Barack Obama hanging from a noose. That that would have been down yesterday. Have Al Sharpton, Jesse oh, yeah. Jackson, the NAACP, everybody out front of that house demanding it be taken down. So there are people out there, Republicans and Democrats, saying, "I demand this idiot take this down." Well, you know, it does seem like you know. Look, you're gonna the rules are the same for everybody, or they aren't. Uh, you know, and so it does, it does surprise me that it, that somebody hasn't just flat out told them like that will be gone or, or things are going to get very unpleasant. But they can't. It, it's, it, that is protected uh. under the free speech. Wow. Uh, I mean, at least that's what they're saying. Right. And, and you're right. It is one of those double standard type issues because, and even the guys admit who own the house, you know, they told me the other day, no way we'd hang Barack Obama right. like that. Cause right. Somebody throw a rock through our window. Right. I said, worse right. than that, dude, your house wouldn't be standing. Oh right yeah, now. no, no, no. That yeah, that would go. Uh, that'd go bad very quickly. And they would be put in jail. It would mm-hmm. be considered a hate crime. Mm-hmm. It would be a threat. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, that's it, it's just, it's the strangest thing ever uh, for that neighborhood uh, around Halloween. Right. I mean, it, it, it's a strange place in the first place. You know, some people go, well, that's West Hollywood. What are you going to do? But this is the middle class section of West Hollywood, right. where you would think Leave It to Beaver was walking out the door. You know, Jerry Mathers is coming down the street. But apparently, this this particular issue is really gaining a lot of. Well, you know, and the other thing is the media now does, and more than ever before, I would say the media now does function as this kind of echo chamber where even the tiniest noise or sound or thing suddenly then is instantly magnified and becomes like a real inflammatory issue, a real hot-button thing. You know, where you got stuff happening in this election, you know, like the, like the comments of some guy who may or may not even be a plumber. Uh, you know, there was a time, some guy who's a plumber or not makes some comment, whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. Now he's, now he's, at, I actually saw last night that Joe the Plumber guy's out there talking about foreign policy issues, like on the trail with McCain. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing, man. This country is so great and terrible all at once. It really is. Hey, so, keep us working, man. You know what? You know, and as long as they keep putting up photos of Meghan McCain, uh, it doesn't matter to me. I'm fine. I'm have fine you had a chance that. to see any photos of this display, by the way? Uh, of the Painland News thing? I have not, no. Uh, is it, uh, what would I think, do you suppose, if I saw it? Is it, uh, I, 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 you know, it's, uh, when I first saw it, I thought, no big deal. Right. Until people started talking about the Barack Obama issue. Right. And I thought, yeah, you know what? Well, you mentally do the insertion. It probably yeah. looks a lot worse. Yeah. So you can't really, uh, I mean, having a, a white woman in a red suit hanging there doesn't seem that bad, you know, well, if you look at, try to look at the other side of the right. issue. But it's just, I, I guess anybody can take it as, you know, a threat. It's not a threat, right. obviously. It's just a Halloween display. It's a horror display. The whole house looks that way. But it, it it's... I don't know. It's yeah. weird, and you know, and I, you know, we were just talking the other day about the security around Obama and how it's just got to be more massive than any security around any candidate, uh, you know, ever. And the Secret Service is obviously they've got you know r- real issues to deal with right now. That being said, I back in the mid '90s during the Clinton administration, I had a friend of mine who was a talk show host, and this is the reason I don't screw with the Secret Service. We don't joke. We don't make funny asides about anything that even sounds. Uh, you know, like violence about any politician. We don't, you know, we don't let the listeners do it. And a friend of mine was doing the talk show, and he didn't even say there's a listener who said this. And you remember kind of how conservative radio sounded during the Clinton era. He's he's doing a talk show. Some woman calls up, and this is, by the way, the woman who said this is just a caller who said this. He had taken the call, and the the woman who called his show said something to the effect of, "Well, you know that Bill Clinton. I'm just I'm just hoping somebody finally just takes it into their own hands and does what has to be done." You know, with him or something like that. And he just sort of said, okay, and he moved on. 
He got off the air about two hours later, and no lie, Secret Service guys in the lobby of the radio station uh, right? who wanted to talk to him about that woman. And I don't know whatever came of it, but they were there when he got off the air waiting to talk to him because they uh, they were not going to play, as the young people say. They were taking that very seriously. Yes, I, I think they hear, see, and smell everything. Oh, okay. dude, they are omnipresent. They are the men in black. <laughs> yeah, right. you're not kidding. All right, brother. Uh, well, uh, yeah, sorry about any confusion, but you are always, well, the door is always open to you. Uh, just on a side note, because we'll be talking about this, I'm sure, in the future, yeah. opening statements and Phil Spector began today. Hooray. Sounds, it's the same story. Prosecutors delivering the same story I, I heard a year ago. Is this like so, a lather, rinse, repeat kind it, of a thing? It, it feels yeah. just like that without the soap. <laughs> it's uh, just as dirty. All right. We're going to go out on that line. Thank you, sir. You bet. There you go, Jim Roof. Fantastic. All right, wonderful. All right, now people are sending me uh, additional photos of Meghan McCain, who I think wants to be my little special friend. Oh, that's just creepy, right? Yeah, you know it's true. Let me just look at it. Yeah, her. I know that Meghan McCain wants to be your special little friend. You see, when you put it that way, it makes me sound creepy. Uh, this, Please tell me this is Steve Kastenbaum. Hey, look, it's Steve Kastenbaum calling. Speaking of crazy, not you, Steve. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Philadelphia again. CNN Radio Correspondent, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. Rick, I've been here so long, uh, I've invested in property and bought a condo in Center City. <laughs> By uh, here, do you mean Philadelphia or on hold waiting to come on the program? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. You, hold on a second. Richie, is this true? Have you been... Uh, Oh, have you been on hold for 17 minutes? Oh, my God. I, I, I've had to listen to Richie oh, breathing God. all that time. Oh, God. Okay, I apologize, Steve. There was a little <laughs> bit of a... Well, first of all, let me, no, in all seriousness, let me let me tell you right now. Um, I know, I know you guys love Jim Roop. I can understand. No, 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 seriously, no fooling. Please allow me to say this. Okay. Um, I am not trying to get anybody in trouble. Or throw anybody in, uh, under any bus here. So I'm going to say that. Uh, just so you know, because we do, and in all seriousness, I recognize that you, you know, as much as we like to think you just, you know, just like to talk to us. We know you got a job to do, and you got people to talk to. Um, and we, you know, we like for the folks at CNN to know that we don't take your time for granted. That said, Sarah, when she was booking the CNN guest this morning, and she did so via email, and we were just reading it back, actually, um, Sarah uh, was told that. It's a long story. In any event, there was a little. There was a, apparently between us booking and you all arriving on the phones. There was a, there were several confusions that happened on CNN's end of things. It's quite all right. Um, Don't worry about it. I'm is, sitting here in the. I'm, I'm I'm here in the parking lot at Citizens Bank Field, and uh, I'm enjoying watching uh, the uh, the unique species, the Philadelphia sports fan, preparing <laughs> for the last three and a half innings of this game. It's really fun to. Uh, to like to 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 be like a, an observer of uh, the social networks that revolve around these different stories. Well, you know what? There are guys that like this is their uh, you know, and it's like the whole the SNL thing about like the Bulls and the Bears guys. I mean, there are guys that like that is their that is their primary deal in life. That is the sun around which they orbit is getting together with their other. And as you noted, guys from Philly, and usually it's guys guys from Philly do tend to be cut from a specific kind of cloth. They really do. Yeah. They really are, and, and, and I'll get the hard news out of the way. So you know how the, the, this game has been delayed and uh, postponed and delayed because of rain, and, and six and a half innings uh, were played already. They have to get in the final uh, at two and a half innings now, uh, and uh, so they were supposed to do it last night. It was still raining. We're here tonight. It's finally partly sunny, very windy. It's going to drop down to near freezing tonight at some point. So uh, I'm watching these Phillies fans, and they just want to get this over with already, right? You know, they're expecting to have a victory parade, never mind the fact that 
there's a possibility that Tampa couldn't mount the comeback here, you know? Right. So, right? So I'm watching all these guys, and they're all coming straight from work, and they're all, like, changing in their cars into their uh, Philly paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a question. When your city has only one baseball team, you know, very few cities are like New York where you, or L.A. where you have two, uh, isn't it a given that you're rooting for that home team? Do, do you have to get dressed in that team's paraphernalia from head to toe? I had really thought about that. That is an interesting idea. Does one really need to go out of one's way to identify as being a supporter of that team? Yeah, I mean, think about it. All these guys, I mean, they're all switching into their red T-shirts and their red hoodies, and, and they're throwing on all these layers underneath it, so they look like giant uh, parade balloons, you yes. know, because they're throwing on these red T-shirts over multiple layers of clothing so they don't freeze to death out here tonight. And I'm thinking to myself, I think it's a short bet if you're you're here in the stadium. You're probably a Philadelphia fan yeah. tonight. I, so a couple questions logistically. First of all, uh, we hear I've heard a whole bunch of variations on this. What is what is the deal with the Barack Obama speech tonight and the World Series? Oh, you know, uh, this wasn't supposed to happen this way. You know, so he bought all this airtime right. uh, on all on yeah. all the networks uh, to essentially like an infomercial, and you know they didn't plan on this. So now the uh, the World Series is starting at eight thirty seven. I guess so. Uh, they uh, they don't have to worry about. So it is uh, going to be delayed. So they're not going to run into the the Obama thing. You know, I'm not sure if it's because of the Obama thing. I mean, all of the games have been starting after uh, eight thirty right. here in Philly, but I, I would suspect that they really didn't want to interfere with sure. that, and uh, that's one of the reasons why. Uh, and then the final, and we had all of this discussion earlier. And again, as you know, I'm not a sports fan, so I was like so out of my league. And then to add to it, none of the callers could agree with each other. Every caller insisted that the previous caller was wrong, uh, it's like our discussions about other subjects where everybody insists that they are the right person, you know, that they have the right answer and everybody else is, is just is, is, is completely up, up in the night. So And, and, what, and of course, in those, in those arguments, I'm sorry to interrupt, but, but nobody actually goes and looks up the facts. No. It's all based on emotional opinion. No. And no one ever really has, yeah, no one's ever bothered to go to Wikipedia. So why, <laughs> so, so my thing is, about the other night, isn't the game supposed to be called after four and a half or five innings, and then whoever's ahead is the winner? Five and a half. Five okay. and a half. Here, here's the deal here. Uh, there was an old rule that uh, that said they would have reverted back to whatever the score was at uh, after five and a half, and right. that meant the Phillies would have won. That rule has been altered. Also, all of those rules, they can sort of be tweaked when it comes to the World Series. In other words, they can augment those rules right. here. Uh, some of those rules. I mean, obviously, like, you know, the balk rule and the infield fly rule and the ground rule double, those rules don't change. But but other rules like that about, you know, rain outs and stuff like that, with the World Series, it's a totally different uh, uh, game here. And, and that means, you know, you've got networks to worry about. It's Everything is riding on these games. So they – and they have to be played two games in one city, three games in the other, and then back to the to the first city for the final two if they need to be played. So they're like, we're getting in this third game here, uh, no matter what. But Felix said, we'll finish this game here if we have to be celebrating Thanksgiving in Philadelphia. Right. right. To which, which, uh, to which point, uh, everybody in the press box said, no. <laughs> <laughs> that is. He said, he said that, and I swear to God, I think everybody just like literally felt, you know, five inches shorter when he said that. A little part of you, uh, a little part of you died inside. Yes, okay. definitely. Well, I hate to leave, I, hate to leave you on I, that note. Yes. Really quickly, you know, I, I've been doing my culinary tour, uh, so I went to this 
place called Sonny's on Market Street. Uh-huh. Uh, not one of the more, uh, better known places for, for their uh, cheesesteaks, although I did have a cheesesteak. The reason I went in, and you'd appreciate this, it said, the cheesiest fries on earth. So I had to sample that, a sign like that. Were they um, all that they promised to be? They were. Unlike most uh, mom-and-pop establishments, they actually pour a layer of cheese Whiz on the bottom of the uh, French fry cup before they put the French fries in and then put another layer of melted cheese on top of it. That is fantastic. So it's like French fries cheese soup. That is the best thing. Okay, now i got to, you know, here's the thing. I hadn't really ever planned to go there. Now I have to just to have those. Yeah, it was good. It was good. All right, my friend. Well, I hope your torment ends soon. <laughs> it it will tonight, God willing, as long as this like there isn't an earthquake or a bomb, you know, like uh, like a missile targets this uh, stadium, we should be fine. From your mouth to God's ear, sir. Yes. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Steve. All right. All right, there you go. All right, take a break. Back after this, Tim Riley, then the top five for today. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Excellent. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hello, Tim Riley. Hello, hello. All right, just moments, we'll do uh, some news. Yeah. Then today's top five. We didn't get through yesterday. i got to get through today. Uh, top five rock songs from a horror film. A uh, couple brief emails. Rick, nice picture of McCain's uh, daughter. The only thing that's missing is a... The only thing that's missing is a dirty-faced three-year-old child and Wick vouchers on the floor. And this one just says, about Megan McCain... A, she is straight out of Springfield, dude. B, I approve. Uh, thank you, uh, whoever you are, some guy. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. The Backstreet Boys will say farewell to MTV's Total Request Live. The band that enjoys success and popularity at the height of TRL's success and popularity has been added to an all-star list of artists who will be participating in the send-off. Beyonce, 50 Cent, Fall Out Boys have also been added to the performance lineup for the final episode. TRL veteran Carson Daly is hosting the two-hour special grand finale. The show is coming to a close due to dwindling viewer ratings. TRL was first launched in 1998. The last episode is entitled Total Finale Live. It's going to be on Sunday, November 16th, 8 o'clock Eastern Time. Ludacris, Mariah Carey, uh, Snoopy Dog, and the Corns are expected to make an appearance. Time for a clown watch. Here's your clown watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Oh, by the way, apropos of nothing, well, speaking of trashy girls, I should say going forward, uh, when you guys have your gossip girl discussions, yes. Lara's going to give me a proxy discussion. She's going to write down four thoughts. Awesome. Uh, every week, either four, I forget it, either four or five thoughts that I will then bring in so I can feign like I have some knowledge of gossip girl. So Maybe won't you just should be... do that for like, Tim and I when you talk about the shield relentlessly. I should write your thoughts for you. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley. Uh, Dateline Los Angeles, Charles Runyon. Who, as Chucko, the birthday clown, hosted children's birthday parties on live television in Los Angeles in the 50s and 60s, has died at the age of 86. He died at an assisted living facility in Grants Pass. What a way to spend your final days. Grants Pass. That's his reward. Does, does, 
Doesn't chuckle, though, sound like a clown to be gnawing on a cigar stub uh -huh. while he was waiting? Happy birthday. Next. He was a beloved character introducing cartoons and playing games with the studio audience of children, including birthday kids who shared a large cake at the end of the show as Chucko sang his birthday song. <laughs> at one point, the waiting list for children to celebrate birthdays on the show was five years long. Runyon developed Chucko for children's birthday parties. Still like developing shingles. And to go with the merry-go-round that the family rented out in Long Beach. California Runyon's mother sewed his red and white striped suit, which seems kind of strange. Runyon's mother sewed his red and white striped suit. His wife applied Checo's makeup. My mom sat my dad down on the throne of the bathroom, the toilet, and made up his face with lipstick and makeup. This is so creepy, and I know it shouldn't be, but the story is terrifying me for some reason. Charles Runyon appeared on KABC from 1955 to 63 and KTTV from 63 to 64. Uh, the father of Checo said his father left TV when the station executives wanted to do away with the audience. Taking care of a live studio audience was a huge cost. Oh, I said. thought you meant wanted to do away with the audience, like, out back. <laughs> that is bad. Do away with the audience before you go. Uh, survivors include his other son, Dan of Grants Pass. Six grandchildren and ten great-grandchildren. All of whom had him... Uh, where did he die? In a sitting living in a nursing home? In, in Grants his Pass. His family, all of whom were content to let him live out his final days at a Grants Pass nursing home. Well done. Uh, here's your clown watch. <laughs> Okay, then. I already have my bones sold. Here's Tim Riley. It's time for the top five, isn't it? I suppose. Here's your top five. Four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, then. Here's Tim Riley with today's top five. And as we drive ever so nearer to All Hallows Eve, we take a moment to ponder the marriage of the musical and the morbid, the terrifying and the tuneful. From the silver screen to sinister soundtracks, these are the top five rock songs from a horror film. Honorable mention number one, Shocker, the entire soundtrack. This is the entire soundtrack, I'm by the way. The whole thing? Um, <laughs> is this, song uh, by song, Tim. Why is this not playing? Oh, come on. Ugh. Oh, for the love of God. This is going swimmingly. Shut up. Darn. Well, uh, hold on a second. Well, you know, here's the thing is I had these all. Mm -hmm. Come on, Rick. Every single... No, no, no. This is every single... You know, remember I could, during the break, I couldn't get the Joe the Plumber thing to play? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. That ad? Every single YouTube video I have open plays for two seconds and then stops. Oh, you know what? Uh, you have it open in Mozilla? Yes. Yep, that's ha that happens to me. But I always run everything in Mozilla. I have to open everything in... Um... For the love Explorer. of God! I have right, but it's not the first videos. time we said we're going to do something and it didn't happen. No, but I was. We didn't do this yesterday. And here's the thing: normally it's like we're, you know, I'm all behind and the, the things get postponed. I actually had everything ready. No, Firefox I, just started doing that to me like a couple weeks ago. So now I have to open all YouTube videos and Internet Explorer. I had all of these songs Firefox prepared on the Mac. Yeah. The other day. You know, Firefox is typically really stable. I, know, I mean, I think Explorer they, sucks, which is why they make. That's why CBS tells everybody to use Firefox. Uh, well, you know, uh, you want I, try another one? I'm well, no, because I, I'm well, really, I'm really frustrated by this because I had this, this kind of a frustrating day. Well, why don't why don't we break and then we can reopen them all in Internet Explorer and then try and do it? Well, are well, we gonna have time if no, we break? Oh, we're gonna have to do it tomorrow. I'll are we, Tim? If you don't want to. <laughs> 
No, let's do it. No, no, I'm a, no, Tim. I, if you don't believe we'll have time, I don't believe we will. No, maybe we will. <laughs> Let me just say two things, then we'll break. First of all, screw it, we'll just do it tomorrow. But let me just say, in my own defense, sometimes people accuse me of always having to bump the top fives and we'll leave ourselves enough time. You tried. You heard us. We were ready. And you know what? I opened these at 11.05 this morning, all buffered, ready to go. It is simply that they're all, which is the same reason I couldn't play that Joe the Plumber thing. They're all playing for two seconds and freezing. So I was ready, you sons of it's, bitches. It's not our fault. Also... When, I, when Sarah suggested that we go to break and come back and do it, the best part was Tim just looking at his watch going, I don't know, that seems awfully quick to me. I, uh, I don't think, totally impractical. I, uh, think that may not be doable. We may have to postpone everything. I have something to play in the break that will make you smile. Is it really going to make me smile? Yeah, you betcha. What is it, Sarah? Well, I need to play it in the break. Oh, is it going to spring it on me? Yeah. Okay. Tim, are you going to be uh, leaving now to go prepare more news, uh, buckling down for another hard day uh, where you are here all afternoon providing news to the people because you have a work ethic unmatched by anyone? As always. Uh-huh. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour all the way through Lycus, giving 110%. <laughs> uh, we'll be back after this. This is Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Hey everybody, it's Weenie in the Butt here live at the Quahog Air Show. We're all ready for the Weenie Sound-Alike Contest. I don't know, but I don't think they can say my catchphrase because they're no funny. <laughs> oh, there it is. And if you think you can say that just like Weenie here, you could win $97.1 for the cool weekend ahead. Weenie have a butt. Weenie have a butt. Cool weekend in the morning. 97.1 FM. Cool weekend in the morning with Weenie and the butt. WQHG 97.1. 97.1. Weenie have a butt. In the morning, cool weekend. FM. Weenie. Weenie. And the butt. And welcome back. Uh, excuse me, I, I gotta find a lost kid. Can I use your mic? That's what she said. Whoa, you got butt slam! <laughs> Listen, I could really use a hand here. That's what he said. Butt slam! <laughs> That's Manic Monkey on 97.1. Manic Monkey, 97.1. Cool, weekends in the morning. Oh, weekend long. We in the morning. In the morning. On the radio. <laughs> No, I don't think we'll have time for that. <laughs> it's fantastic. <sighs> okay. It's 503-733-2970. Hello there. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, in a uh, couple minutes, I know we got like five, six minutes. We'll do the exit poll in a second. It's, uh, and so forth. So I guess if you've got random calls to make or random uh, observations or musings, this is the time to do it. You want to do those now. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. So we'll try to clear out any other random thoughts you may have in your head. Uh, then in a short while, we'll do today's exit poll. Then uh, we'll be done. Then it'll be Tom Likas. And then, uh, hey, hey, whatever. Uh, tomorrow, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer joining us. And I swear to Christ, we're going to top five tomorrow. It's like God doesn't want me to do this top five. I don't think so. You know what? It was, it was really hard to put together, man. I, uh, I had to actually take two separate lists, break them into their component parts, put them together to make this top five. And then Chris Paddock came up with one that I'd forgotten. So, And then I was thwarted yesterday by time, thwarted today by technology. So tomorrow I'll just probably wake up dead and won't be able to do it at all. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Before we do anything else, uh, let me read this story, only because I don't really care about it, so I just want to get it read so we can move on. Okay, what's it about? Joaquin Phoenix declares retirement from acting. I read that. Yeah. 
At the right, uh, and by the way, this is one of those stories you're reading. It's like you know, f him. You know what? I'm really glad that because he, he's retiring from acting to be a musician, which means he's going to tour, which means he'll come through town, which means there's a better choice of, chance of actually meeting him. So look at the positive like that. Is meeting euphemism for something? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, humping him. Well, I, well, I'm just trying to <laughs> trying to check. Uh, it makes him more accessible to the people. I mean, I I would love to see him up on stage in person. The walk. The Walk the Line Oscar nominee mentioned his intent to leave acting behind at Monday night's Paul Newman benefit. He said, I want to take this opportunity also to give you the exclusive and talk a little bit about the fact that this will be my last performance as an actor. He said, I'm not doing films anymore, which no one believes. Uh, which is the sort of thing, it's like when uh, bands say that they're going to retire. Or Cher says she'll never have another goodbye tour. You just stay at home. You don't need to announce everything. Sometimes you can just not do stuff. You don't need to tell us. It's like if tomorrow I decide not to have breakfast, I don't need to have a press conference. I just won't have it. All right. Tomorrow, if I decide not to wear socks, maybe I'll tell you, maybe I won't. Probably not. You know what I do? Just don't put on the socks. Uh, all right, I don't know if these are exit poll calls. Hello? I think everything pocket that. Hello? All right, for the love of God. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Is this exit polling or something else? Why, hello there. Oh, hi, Rick. This is uh, hi, is this, uh, what, are you, what are you calling to share with us today? Well, I was actually calling to share about a collision between Joss Whedon's universe and the Mad Men universe. How so? Because you know that Joan was also on Firefly, which yep. is a Joss Whedon show. Did Indeed. you know that Marnie Noxon, who was one of the writers for, uh, and the producers for Buffy, is a writer and a producer for Mad Men? I didn't know that. How did, how did I not know that? How did I not she, see that? She showed up in the credits. And we both, you know, our whole family kind of went, hey, who was that? And uh, then we went back, and there's Marnie. And she, I don't know if you know from the musical, Marnie was the one they who was got... getting the parking ticket. No, that's right. No, the, the guy is doing, they got the mustard out, and in the back she's going, it's not right, it isn't fair. That's right. She's not wearing underwear. There was no warning anywhere. Yeah, all right. Uh, boy, I'm a nerd. Uh, also, uh, I know that uh, some of the folks who blame her for the decline of Buffy uh, began referring to her as Marnie Noxious online. So, oh, no, I can't yeah. agree. I can't agree. I'll follow Joss wherever he goes. You too. All right. Thank you. Well, I'm just glad, to be, glad to be in such rarefied company. All right. Uh, and then let's now do this. I don't know who these other uh, what these other calls are about, but we'll begin taking exit poll calls now. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, hello. Who might this be? Uh, my name's Eric. It's, hey. not an, it's not an exit poll. No, that's fine. We're just, just going to work our way through these other phones before we do that. What do, what do you got, sir? Okay. Uh, I wanted to let you know that if you have a 360, and apparently, according to Mr. Ritchie, you have one, uh-huh. uh, you need to buy Fallout 3, Rick. You really do. Why do I need to buy Fallout 3, sir? Is it shiny? Uh, yeah, it is. Actually, the damn game comes in a lunchbox. If you get the collector edition, it comes in a little lunchbox. Now, what is it? Now, in Fallout 3, please forgive my ignorance, is it like a first-person shooter? Is it? What is it? It is a mixture of an RPG slash first-person action-adventure game. You're uh, in the year 2277, post-apocalyptic, uh, bombed out Washington, D.C. with mutants and uh, freaks running all over the place, oh. and uh, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, we heard the, Yeah, we had a, actually a story about this yesterday, some people upset about the advertising for this game. Yeah, they're a bunch of pussies. All right. But, uh, it, it's a fantastic game. You should get it. It's wonderful. Fallout 3, duly noted. <laughs> See you later. I'll buy it for you for Christmas. All right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> See you later, man. Uh, thank you. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity. You don't upset. Uh, all right. Are these all, Richie, are these exit poll calls? I want to make sure that I, before I start the music. Well, I guess I'm just going to screw just it. commit to it, Rick. What? What? Yeah. Uh, whatever. All right. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show exit poll as we 
is he? <laughs> everyone. Flawless today. That's not just Richie or us. That's everyone. Everyone everywhere crazy. Uh, we endeavor to uh, discover how you, the American citizen, is voting for president. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. If you have voted for president, please tell us for who. Uh, hi, Rick Emerson, Nick Uh For whom did you vote? Gilly. What? Gilly. I think he said Stewie. Oh, I see. He's trying to be kooky. Family. I see what you Can did I? there. Okay. Not really. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson oh. Show exit poll. For whom did you vote? Barack Obama! Thank you, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? I voted for Plugin McKeister and Hugh Jorgen. Thanks. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Bob Hi. Barr. All right, Bob Barr. Excellent. All right, thank you. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. My wife and I both just dropped off the ballots. We both voted Obama. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. you got it. Special uh, order. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. Has someone found an exciting new game to occupy their incredibly small brain? God, Richie, find out who that is. In hi, you're on, you're, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Beep, boop, beep. Oh, never mind. Uh, voted uh, for for Obama. Lifelong Republican. Voted for Obama. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, Rick Emerson, exit poll, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Hi. Uh, for whom did you vote? Obama. All right. Obama. All right. Thank you. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, for whom did you vote? Bob Barr. System's broken. All right. Thank you, sir. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? Obama. All right. Obama. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Hi, Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? This one is for that one. Okay, thanks. Uh, what was that, Sarah? What was the sign you gave me there? All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? Uh, Barack Obama. All right, thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Exit poll. For whom did you vote? Obama. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Like a couple more here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? McCain. All right. And, all right, we'll do one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. For whom did you vote? McCain. All right, thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Uh, well, for today, we got two McCain, two Bob Barr, and eight for Barack Obama. So there you go. All right, things go uh, Obama's way today, at least. All right, it's oh, yeah, don't by, forget to watch his thing tonight. Or by a greater margin. That's right, watch that tonight. Uh, so we can all, we'll you talk know, about it. <laughs> so we can gather tomorrow around the water cooler and share discussions and observations. Uh, all right. We want to thank uh, Cena Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, James Roop, and uh, Mark Shearer, as well as Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Flynn for AM970, the talker in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phone. Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper. Dave's in, webmistress. Richard from upstairs. And, uh, of course, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Donut with me. Reynolds, like us next. Michael Mary show at 7. See you tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Thanks for listening. Be safe. And uh, watch out for snakes and so forth. Bye now. Shiny, a slang term for great use in the television series Firefly and the movie Serenity.